Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 107, and may I be the first to uh, tell you all a very Merry Christmas, in fact, because this episode goes up on the 25th of December 2017, which is Christmas Day. Uh, Bally, how's your Christmas going? I'm doing well. Uh, We are recording on Christmas Eve, which is very, very festive. Absolutely. Uh, It's it's rainy and miserable, as usual, in Edinburgh for Christmas, so I feel very at home. There's some pathetic fallacy going on there with you, Bally, seeing as it's miserable outside, it's also miserable inside of you right now. Inside of me, yes. I have a cold, which is great fun, just as you go on holiday, but... uh, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna push on through with this episode. Uh, yeah, and get nothing stops this train as we've oh, said many times stopping. in the past. <laughs> it's not stopping. Uh, great. Uh, so yeah, we've got a packed episode for you today. This is the second half of our game of the year show, which means there's going to be a lot of stuff going on, and there's also a lot of video games to talk about. Let me tell you what we've been cramming for the end of the year session here. Um, so we've got a lot to discuss. Bally, tell the fine folks at home what the show is going to entail today. As usual, we're going to be talking about what we've been playing. Our second segment will be your Games of the Year for 2017, where we're going to run through both emails and some messages from our Discord server. And then our third segment is going to be... Uh, we've got some new categories, basically, for our Games of the Year, but we're also going to do our you know standard list that we've done in past years, where we, we rank our top five games of the year that came out on Nintendo platforms. Uh, so we'll do that, and then obviously the uh, the other awards is going to be cross-platform and every all sorts of things. We'll, we'll get onto that discussion in the third segment. Absolutely. Uh, so without further ado, Bally, let's kick things off with some video games, and I'm going to turn things around on you. I'm going to start this time, motherfucker. It's my turn. It's been too damn long. Always giving you the spotlight, Bally. Uh, so... I miss it. I miss it. Well, we'll get to it, because, well, basically, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about which we've both played, so I thought it would be good for me to just wrap up Xenoblade, and then we'll talk about all the things that we've both played together. Um, uh, So, I'm finishing up Xenoblade 2, I've finished it, I've closed the book on it, Uh, I was about five hours from the end last time uh, on the show, so I have completely wrapped it up and and I'm finished, and uh, I'll tell you what, the end of Xenoblade 2 goes some fucking places, uh, in, in a sense, if you are someone who was a fan of the first game and really liked that game and wanted there to be some kind of thing that ties these games together, I'm just going to say that I was satisfied. Um, so, intriguing. So there's definitely a thing there that happens. Uh, and, you know, as I said before, there was intriguing stuff happening. And let me tell you, intriguing stuff happened. Uh, so I was pretty satisfied with that stuff. I think you are still one of the only people I know who's actually beaten this game. Uh, yeah, probably, because it's an insane thing to do. It's This game is an enormous RPG uh, that a lot of people are spending over 100 hours in. Uh, I just saw James Jones spent 140 hours, which is double the amount wow. of time I spent in it. And he's beaten um, it. Yeah, he finished it, but he also did like every freaking side quest and did all the like development levels. Because one of the things you can do, like in the first Xenoblade, is... In each region, there's, like, this star system, uh, and so it's kind of like Affinity, but every time you, like, do side quests for people, or if you buy out... There's this weird mechanic where if you buy all the items in a shop, you get the deed to that shop, so you basically own the shop, and so by doing that in all the shops in a region, you can, like, increase your development level, and so I think he, like, five-starred every single area, which is insanity, because most of my areas were at two stars by the time I, I finished the game, and I thought I did quite a few side quests, so... Clearly, there are a lot of people who are playing this game in a much deeper way than I am. Um, and honestly, I'm, I I don't feel like the burning desire to go back to it, if only because 
some of the kind of blade side quests that i was discussing last time are just they're very frustrating in terms of having those field skills and needing to get the exact right ones and doing that stuff and i was thinking like oh there's so much i can do and go back to but it wasn't really drawing me in especially because i don't know like i i enjoy the fact that there are side quests that are voiced and there are cutscenes, but i i don't think the characterization is like incredible for those blade things like they're very simple they're not as deep or detailed as what you get with the main cast um so it wasn't like there was no real draw for me to do those but i will say that you know i overall i really enjoyed the game i think it is uh it was very rushed out because they've already started putting up patches where now you can access the map more easily there's definitely stuff with that field skill where you're switching blades in and out constantly that seemed not well put together like there are very rough edges on this game um and i think it would have benefited them to put it out next year and like taken the time to smooth things uh but with all that said i i still i'm still a big fan of it um and you know there are there are still a lot of issues and one of the issues actually i was discussing in our discord channel was just the female representation in this game and it's something that i didn't bring up last time because it's something in this style of anime very japanese game that to me was very similar to everything i'd seen before uh in terms of that style of game but it's still bad and i think it's still something that should be brought up uh and i think it's you know something that if you're going into this game and you have certain expectations and you haven't like you're not a fan of that stuff it's definitely something that will probably put you off uh which you know i probably should have given a heads up but the the marketing of this game very much leaned into that fact and so i kind of thought you know um it seemed like they had kind of worn it on their sleeve almost uh, in a way but uh yeah there's there's stuff that's bad about that and it's hard because you know there's when it comes to problematic stuff in games we just need to address it head on and be like look i like this thing also it's very problematic for these reasons i think austin walker talked a lot about this um, when he was talking about xenoblade chronicles too he's like look this game is full of bad horrible shit also i like it a lot and we just need to kind of contend with that fact which uh, which game was it where i want to say it might have been the first xenoblade but there was some game where they did different outfits between the japanese version and the yes. western version i don't know which game this was it was something it, RPG there were quite related. a few like nintendo yeah. based games that it was, it was xenoblade x was the big one i think right um, i mean that could be like an option i'm not saying it's the option right but, like, yeah. it's something that you know different markets sure. essentially but I, I was actually kind of views. surprised that nintendo didn't do anything um that kind of turned it down i guess it might have been one downside of like you said rushing it out they might not have thought about it as much i don't know yeah it's also more built into just the fabric of this game and its story like not necessarily but like there are there are some goofy anime things like there is a um a a hot spring scene you know the girls are in the hot spring yeah you know that kind of stuff going on so like it's in that sense it's more just built into it in in a way but i i honestly i don't think it's super nefarious about it like it's not super bad there there's some stuff that uh, was being brought up about how like the idea that the the drivers and the blades there's this kind of slavery and a lot of the blades are female and that that kind of that kind of patriarchal thing going on but they do address that i guess yeah they do address that in the story in terms of like the main motivation for the bad guys is like what the fuck we shouldn't be the slaves of these humans and like that that's a lot of the ideas that are brought up um you know i guess you know that's you know the way that takahashi wanted to address that sort of idea in in his storytelling Uh, and some of it lands and some of it doesn't but overall uh 
the story for me was something where I don't think overall it's super memorable because it doesn't have those moments that I like. I doesn't have like those amazing cutscene moments that are punctuated by these incredible soundtracks. I love the music. I just don't think I think like the music in this game is stronger, as I said, in its quieter moments. I don't think the cutscene stuff is as good. Um but the ending is definitely the one thing that made me like, okay, I like this. This is <laughs> it kind of redeemed a lot of the game for me because it, it it explains it in a way that was satisfying to my own Xenoblade fandom. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird game. It's one of those games that is the most like seven out of ten ever made. But I also really mm. enjoyed it. You know, it's it's there's a lot of problems but it's also an incredibly deep hole that is very hard to come out of um and that's uh that's what happened to me that's why i spent 10 days and 70 hours on it it's it's kind of crazy so that is insane well, well yeah. done there, yeah i did it i finished it so there you go um so yeah let's uh then move on back to games that we've both been playing um let's start with goragoa because this is a game that kind of came out of nowhere although i think i had heard of it previously and i'd seen stuff about it and i was always kind of curious and then it just suddenly was like oh it's out today on switch and on ios and on pc um and the reason i bought it was because i could get it very cheap on uh ipad uh, versus the switch price the switch price was like 11.99 and i was like oh it's five quid on my mom's ipad why wouldn't i just buy it there instead so that's what i did uh, and i played through it and it blew me the fuck away. I think it is one of the most smart, ridiculously difficult to explain puzzle games that I've ever Yeah, I was going to say, for a podcast, through. it's very hard to explain. It's somewhat impossible. So the name of this game, I, I, Flash Blaster, is Gorogoa. So it's one of those game, game names that's not really going to stick with you unless you really think about it. You know, it's like this kind of made-up word. Um, but the basic idea is that you have these panels, and there are like four four different panel slots and they each have like kind of these windows into this reality where there's this boy and he's kind of going around the world trying to collect fruit in a bowl and there's a lot of surrealism to it it's a it's very kind of magical and mystical there's like dragons in the background and stuff but the base premise behind it is that a lot of these panels can be moved so that the boy can travel uh, on his journey in a very unique way so like there's a door in a signpost and if you zoom in on the signpost you can take that door on its own and put it down to another panel and then you zoom back out and there's this block in the wall that looks door shaped and then you drag the door back up to where it was so like you've taken this object out of a thing put it somewhere else changed the perspective and created the doorway for him to go through it's really mind-bending right because it makes you think in a completely different way about how to approach certain situations and what is necessary to be done. And I was just absolutely enraptured the entire way through. Like I was sitting there playing on the iPad and the battery was like 7%. I'm like, oh shit, I need to charge this. So I just like ran over uh, into the kitchen, plugged it in, just sat there still again for the rest of it and did it in a whole sitting and was absolutely enthralled. Um, It is definitely a weird kind of logic you have to use but it really clicked with me and i think that's the thing that differentiates me and you bali is you had a lot more problems with this game like you, I, I felt you were struggling a lot because you were texting me constantly about it oh yeah um, about like oh god i don't know what to do here i don't know what to do here um and i i think i don't know 
how that works with different people so that's why like i was so gung-ho about this game and like everyone should play this game but like hearing about your experience with it it made me feel like there are some people who are going to really connect with this game and then it's going to be harder for others to understand it or like get their head around what's going on so yeah like i picked it up on your recommendation and you know MBZ's recommendations are 99% very, 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 very good. So I was like, I'm going to do this. I didn't really (laughs) want to try and borrow an iPad off anyone and do it that way. So I was just like, you know what? Like, it's an extra six quid or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Let's just do it. So I got it on Switch. Uh, And yeah i the start of the game i completely agreed with you like i thought like this is this is awesome like i'm really progressing this is so satisfying and i still think this is like an unbelievable game and it is it is one of the best puzzlers that i have i've ever played i just it's just unlike anything else right like it's just so hard to describe but it's so incredibly clever and it makes you feel very smart to me at least it made me feel incredibly smart when i solved something yeah Um, and that's when i think the game is at its best is when it's the the tools that you need to move on to the puzzle are through the puzzle i should say are clear and it's just about working out how you put those bits together where i felt the game fell down and i was getting very frustrated and stuck is there were moments where the tools you needed to advance were quite obscure to to simply find that tool in the first place so like for example like zooming into backgrounds upon backgrounds on certain tiles and like maybe maybe like discovery is a huge part of this game and i'm just being a bit harsh on it in that sense but that was where i was really coming up where i sort of understood what the game was wanting me to do broadly but it wasn't overtly saying here are the tools and with which to do that you have to go and discover where those tools are yourself and that part i felt like i'd i'd mentally overcome the tricky part of what the game wanted me to do but i was falling at the first hurdle of actually just gaining the tool uh to to proceed and that's right. where i was really frustrated uh and that and that is one of the downsides of this game like i think some of the some of it is incredibly obscure to the point where there is a lot of frustration uh and like i said it, the game does it best when so there's stuff to do with heat and like time and magnets and and when you had all these things working out and how to put them together that's when i thought it was at its best and i really really loved it uh for that part yeah i i disagree in the sense that i think that the part you're talking about specifically is the only instance in the game where i felt not cheated but like it didn't necessarily signal super clearly but for me that was the only part like that was the one part of the game i spent the longest on i got stuck on but also i pushed through it and i did figure it out myself and i eventually got there so i i don't know i don't know if it's just persistence or if it's my logic just eventually getting there because i connect with this game more i don't know what it is necessarily and why you like i'm definitely overblowing this but as like a a sort of two hour to three hour short puzzle game experience um it is very jarring when you reach a point that's just like oh my god like, I, I literally cannot progress like where yeah is it's this? kind of a difficulty spike and i think it's meant yeah. to be right because he's th- they're throwing a lot at you and i agree it's like the only part in the game but yeah so i i, like, I still really rate this game just not quite as highly as perhaps yourself yeah no it's i think it is just incredible it absolutely blew me away and it just I rarely find 
experiences that are just wholly new in video games and this is one that i just haven't it's i think that the whole concept and the idea has maybe been done in some form before but this feels just so unique and different uh and that's the real surprise and joy of it and honestly it's like best not knowing much going into this game because the little surprises the little discoveries even from the very start are so worth it to to have that joy so uh it's called goro goa g-o-r-o-g-o-a uh it's on switch um for a higher price if you have an apple device buy it there because it's cheaper and honestly this game is a touchscreen based game i don't know if you played most of the game on touchscreen i did recommend you to bali yeah i did i i briefly attempted it like with my pro controller and it's just hopeless there's no point yeah. you should just play it on the touchscreen but i just want to see what it was like it's also just way more tactile it feels yeah. like you should be playing it with a touchscreen um so that's why Switch is such a very good platform for it. Also, actually, I think PC works as well because the mouse has the same kind of tactile nature as as a touchscreen anyway. So uh, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, next up, SteamWorld Dig 2, uh, which both of us had uh, been going through. We both just blasted through it, didn't we? Yeah. So, Bali, how about you kick this off? How do you feel about uh, SteamWorld Dig 2? So before playing this game, there was a ton of hype about it. Like so many people were like, this is Game of the Year, the contender. This is like such an improvement on the first game. This is like one of the best games of the year. It's almost like the indie game of the year. It yeah. Felt like on the Switch. So I was like, God, these are high expectations. And like the first SteamWorld Dig uh, was a very good game. Uh, it wasn't like top tier, I think, in either of our books, but it was still a very good game yeah i like um, image and form they do good stuff um, yeah my problem with the previous two steam world games is the random generation right because it doesn't feel like they've actually designed anything like the steam world dig you're just digging through and going down and steam world heist it really showed itself because in a strategy game i want stuff that is really well crafted and well put together levels and steam world heist is fun but also there doesn't feel like there's anything unique or um you know memorable about that game because every level was just random um so it's like all tile sets essentially so that was Uh, like out the window with this game and it does all feel a lot more right so that's why i was excited to go into this because it was like a a well-made yeah like proper and that design game like early on the game does feel a lot like the the original game but it does gradually become a lot weirder and you get more yeah. different power-ups and some of the areas that you're exploring are not just you know the, the standard western style yeah there's some really good visual digging. variety yeah. going on in there for sure exactly and um so as the as the game so at the start i was like what's all the hype about this is just more steam world dig as i got further i was like this is a very good game like this is getting really yeah. good and and one thing it does incredibly well that you absolutely loved earlier in the year about metroid mbz is that that scale of power uh and like i guess seymour dig 2 is a metroidvania and like you really do get i felt personally that the 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 power uh the way that your power increased throughout the game was done really well and so there there are some crazy items like hook shots and uh jet packs and these are both additions to the first first game that just make a huge difference in how you traverse the world and making everything more easy to get around so like i just really enjoyed that combination with you know the the solid loop from the first game of collect more jewels sell the jewels get the money upgrade your kit like i just really enjoyed that loop yeah it's a very good loop and it's one that worked for them and i think they really improved on it because 
in that first game, one of my biggest issues was sometimes it felt like you could just get stuck somewhere. Uh, like you would accidentally have right. gotten rid of a block and you're like, fuck, how do I get back up And that's there? why you and... needed ladders in the first game and stuff right, like exactly. that. Right, exactly, yeah. And, and the first thing this game does to fix that is you can do a single wall-wall jump, which I don't think you could do in the first game. So I think you... you could, actually. I think oh, really? you could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like your main form of movement. But the, the thing that I find is different is the steam bomb you get quite early. Yeah, Because that's what really that helpful. allows you to do is to especially when you're kind of going across vertically or horizontally i should say um sometimes there are like there's a flat wall in front of you and you want to start digging into that wall but there's like a gap in between so what you can do is use a steam bomb to basically explode that little area and then get into that gap and then start going across Mm. so that was help for that but also there are some places when you're going back up the way where you need to remove something and you or or um you see that there's like a block with a mineral in it right above you but it's too high and you can't that's the one thing that they make a very defined rule in the steam world dig games is that you can't jump and dig at the same time yeah. so there's no like minecraft jumping and hitting midair there there is a cog uh, and we've not talked about cogs yet but yeah that upgrades your uh steam bomb gun thing where you can jump and shoot it at the same time Oh really? And I that never compl- came yeah, and like one. you said, that completely changes everything. It is very late wow. on in the game. I think you have to be quite a high level to to get it. But that idea of like jumping and then shooting, or like digging, at, at like going through more dirt, essentially, like that's very unique to that. And and just while we're on the cogs, I should say, like that is part of the game I, I really liked was. Um, just the ability to get these extra little perks and things on your kit and your items and your weapons that so i by the end of the game i was doing stuff like I, the uh the the jewels would like magnetize towards me and mm. like i'd get extra blast radius when i blew up uh any any bit of dirt with with jewels in it and that, that sort of thing so i was able to chain things together that just made my process of doing that loop that we talked about where you're making money and upgrading uh your 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 person like easier and smoother and that just kept getting smoother and smoother the further you got into the game that it just really felt like it all just came together yeah i that's interesting that you went with that kind of setup because for me um i was going down the lines of i want to be as survivable as possible uh, so i know i you eventually did like the fairy kind of one where if you die you get revived essentially yeah um but a lot of my upgrades i was going for was like you can survive for a brief time in lava or in like these like acid ponds oh, yeah, or whatever yeah. i like those um, as well, yeah. and i also did the deflect one where if a projectile yeah, hits you it deflects really and then recharges after 30 seconds like some of those defensive upgrades are really smart and um just made my trips much longer and it made me survive situations i may not have done otherwise uh which i thought was it, it's just a nice level of customization to give to the player to lean into the thing that they want the most right yeah. um and that's that's the i think the best thing about it is because not only do you have this much more frictionless freedom in terms of movement but then you also have your individual level of customization where you can be someone who goes defensive or someone who wants all the ridiculous axe upgrades to you know get bonus experience from killing enemies and things like that so 
yeah it's it's smart and i also like that they put a lot of the cogs in these kind of puzzle rooms which feel like the best parts of the game for me um because it's not just digging through this long endless corridor but it's a designed challenge like there's one i think of in particular where you have mine carts and you have to get the mine carts down to the bottom uh to hit a switch but there's like lots of different um yeah. i think i gave up on a few through. of these actually i saw yeah some of them are really tough like, but oh, the, this um, isn't worth it like let's move on but no i mean the the prize at the end isn't really a big bonus there's like these artifacts that you get and you give to this one guy and i never really understood what that was giving me if it was giving me anything at all it was Uh, giving you the um so the bottom row of sort of power-ups when you're looking at your what your cog can go in it basically are these things that um they're sort of high stakes things that say oh if you you'll you'll die more easily if you insert this cog but you'll also gain more money sort of thing and it's like only use if you're an expert player sort of thing i think it's just so that if you want to replay the game or something i don't really know you can essentially load up those cogs and you can i guess get a lot of money very quickly if you play the game well essentially Hmm, that's interesting um yeah so i didn't really go for those because i they didn't seem super worth it but like if I was in the middle of a challenge and I was like, I know I can do this, I stuck with it. Like, so that minecart one I did, and I, it was really satisfying to figure out the puzzle. Like, it was well designed, it was smart, and that was, that was really cool. And it, it definitely illustrates to me that I much prefer this game to their past two because of those contained little areas where they had really gone into it and been like okay this is our set challenge like here's a challenge where you have to not hit the floor and there's all these buttons and stuff like there's really yeah. fun little obstacles for you to get through um and yeah the the ultimate end of it is just hey you're just going to be digging a, a whole bunch which i like i think it's fun um and they just make that easier and more fun as you go through and it so, does feel considerably longer than the first game yeah uh, definitely but the, the game definitely didn't overstay its welcome i think you were seven and a half hours i was like nine yeah. and a half hours like i i thought it was quite a sweet spot as to the length of this type of game essentially like i thought that and there, there's some interesting plot things and th- i'm not saying the plot's good but like it is it's interesting it's fun uh there's some cool characters and, and environments and the ending is quite um there's a little bit of a twist, uh, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, there's uh, there's a nice little universe they've curated here with these Steam World games. I just like the general idea they have of, hey, we're just going to do all these different weird genres, and we're just going to keep them within this universe. And obviously, Steam World Dig Two is a direct sequel, but uh, I know that they're going to go ahead and do something uh, else next time. I'm sure uh, I heard some on some podcast. Apparently, if they have multiple projects planned for 2018 or something. Oh yeah, no, they. I think they said that themselves. Did they? Uh, yeah. So yeah. like, I guess more to come. And like, I, I would. I like the idea of staying in that universe, but trying a few different genres and uh, mixing yeah. it up. And SteamWorld Heist is coming out. Uh, this week on switch actually um and i know you didn't play that bally it's e- even though like I, i'm not a huge fan of it i still think it's a worthwhile game uh to check out so yeah uh i guess all their games will eventually end up on switch because that's just what's happening with the indie revolution right now it's just endless streams it's a good of... time it's a good time god it's absurd um yeah it's it's kind of crazy but uh anyway yeah i i enjoyed it i think like the the one note i'll leave it on is i think steam world dig 2 is a really good game but this is 2017 and even if you're a really good game i don't think you stand up against a lot of these giants i guess um, we'll find out in the final segment of this i, I show, guess we're gonna have to it? discuss it aren't yeah. we yeah so, i don't, I don't uh, want to dig 
too deep. Oh god. Yeah, almost I just was a little sick in my mouth. I'll see myself. Uh, <laughs> you should you shall indeed. Uh okay, so then the final thing we're gonna talk about uh for this section is the Zelda DLC, which both of us have finished. We both have our sick boat boats. Uh, I wish, man, that would be good if we had a sick like motorboat. <laughs> boat. Here. No, we have Motor our motorcycles. Yeah, our Master Cycle Zeros. Uh, Bali, we're going to talk spoilers in this section uh, because, honestly, I don't think there's it's easy to discuss this game without no. talking spoilers uh, when it comes to this section because we've talked about... It's like a lot of it is more Zelda, right? And we've talked about that a bunch. So I think it's better that we go more specifics uh, with this DLC. So if you do not want to hear any spoilers, there will be a timestamp uh, in the description or on uh, on your podcast device in, in that kind of description there. So just skip ahead uh, to the next section and we'll see you there. But we are going to go talk about uh, all of the Zelda DLC. Uh, so this was announced at the game awards battle and it came out that night um and we both just dived into it uh how do you feel about this game with the dlc like as a value proposition this dlc do you think that the first pack and the second pack are worth their value of what you've been given they are but when you're talking about sort of monetary value and the amount of time you spend on it it's a it's a much worse proposition than the base game which i guess is like 120 hours if you want to do all the shrines uh, and that's what 50 60 pounds euros i I guess more what i'm getting at is do you think that this content that they had proposed to you as dlc was did it live up to those expectations that you had of what this dlc was going to be um no, because I think a lot of people were hoping for some new landmass, like a new yeah. area to explore. Um, I appreciate that is asking a lot. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not asking a lot, to be honest. And I think that uh, once you're over the fact that you're not getting a new area, essentially, I think this DLC does essentially uh, as it does as good a job as you could probably hope for. Like I think the the inclusion of the new shrines are great. I really enjoyed some of those shrines um, and. The new dungeon is fantastic. Like, I, I think that it's a real shame the new dungeon isn't linked thematically to some sort of animal. Maybe that's just a really small nitpick from from me, but I really. Well, I mean, it's like fair enough, aspect. especially because like the one note of theming that the dungeons do have is their shape and and size right. and, and the way they look. Um, so, yeah, so that's a shame. You're essentially like in an underground area of cogs and things which yeah. isn't very thematic but it's cool and like th- like mechanically it's a really solid dungeon like it's very very interesting some of those puzzles and you're using all of your um what do you call them runes the runes yeah runes? yeah you're yeah. using all of them in all sorts of different ways and that's really cool and then follow that with a, a really interesting long hard tough final boss like uh it's a really solid package overall and i was very happy with that i th- i'd say it took me a good eight to ten hours probably to to beat it all which uh yeah was was very good very happy with it i think that i didn't have really high expectations for the zelda dlc honestly because when you look at what they had said at the start of the year it was you're gonna get new story you're gonna get new dungeon and then there's gonna be more challenges and after finishing breath of the wild i was like well none of these things actually sound like what i want more of right because what i actually want more of is as you said the exploration like the the discovery the finding out the weird things of the world and doing yeah. strange that things loop and... of discovering new places and then doing shrines and then doing shrine quests and then interacting yeah. with new towns like 
while you're get while you're getting some of that loop, you're essentially that loop is broken with this DLC. Like it's, it's right. not the same. It's hinting at elements of it being similar because obviously you're doing new shrines and that's great. But that that loop that I just described has been just completely torn apart, and that is a shame. And there's also elements to the discovery of this game that aren't even tied into finding places. It's more to do with, oh shit, I can do this with this physics set. Or, oh shit, this is how this reacts to this chemically, right? You can't replicate that in a DLC because the rules of the world are already set and you've already discovered those rules. Um, So it's hard to just get that feeling in particular again. I think that's one of the things I'm... When I think about a sequel to Breath of the Wild, I struggle to think of if they will be able to pull off the same thing just because the first time this happened with like the my best example is when i killed a choo-choo with an electric sword and the jelly was electric chew jelly like that's a mind-blowing moment for me in this game that if you keep those physics and chemical systems around exactly the same you're not going to have that incredible discovery again um but all that aside my expectations going into this were very low because i'm like okay the dungeons were probably the weakest part of the game mechanically and the story just isn't anything it's fluff it is pure fluff there is literally nothing to it and i think people were like getting excited seeing the new cutscenes. you know when they did the trailer like the trailer looked pretty good but the real the sneaky thing about the zelda trailers for breath of the wild is that they show basically every cutscene in the game like that launch trailer that everyone lost their mind over which i still think is the best video game trailer ever made like it is a video game trailer i've watched so many times and i'm in love with i just think it is so perfect the music the pacing the, the way it's built but yeah. every single high note of like cinematics in that trailer is basically every memory in the game um which is a disappointment right because you when you see that trailer you expect it to be this incredibly grand adventure yeah and it's just not it's just not how the game is built and very much understandably because actually one of my favorite parts of breath of the wild is finding the memories like that whole idea of you just using your exploration and your um your visual cues and the sight lines to figure out where these places are is just a a really smart way of doing it i just think the reward isn't great because i don't think the memories are fantastic um and so i kind of got what i expected which was hey here are some more fluffy cutscenes, and hey here's another dungeon which the dungeon some of them are very nice the cutscenes. yeah i don't know like the they're good spectacles but they're awful storytelling i think like yeah they're fun to look at and right that's nice and but it's not anything substantial no there's like little character moments which are fun like i I think my favorite is daruk with the dog that's a cool thing um rivali's is just fucking nothing it's just hey he's arrogant again great like didn't we know that already there's a good good cut scene uh with fight scene i should say with uh, urbosa Oh yeah, I liked Orbosa's one the most actually. I think yeah. like, I, she's my favorite champion anyway. Like she's really cool. Uh, that's that's the one I actually kind of got into a little bit more backstory because she's talking about Zelda's uh, mother and stuff, and that was uh, a bit more. Mm. I don't know. It, it's the kind of thing that I would want to hear more about. Like, what is Zelda's childhood been like? Like, how has she been brought up in this world? And that's because she is such a central character to the quote unquote narrative of Breath of the Wild. Um, so I would have liked to see more of that, but. 
yeah it it just kind of met my expectations more than anything else it's like okay yeah sure um i think like the interesting parts of this game were things that i weren't expecting which was you're fighting the bosses again which on paper sounds really bad but it was actually one of my highlights of this dlc because what they do is they place you in a situation where you essentially have the tools that the champions had when they fought the divine beast uh ganons and mm. so you're very limited in your resources uh so fighting these bosses is so different because uh, as i said to you like the first time i fought the zora boss i beat it in less than a minute um because i absolutely was so overpowered i had a, a ridiculous amount of stuff that i could use to kill it to like lock it in place to just destroy it i never even saw like most of its moves you know i never even saw its patterns because i had killed it so quickly um and in this situation that was probably my favorite fight because you're so limited in the abilities you have uh it's in water like you're on these four islands and you only have 10 arrows and at one point in the fight the ganon the water black ganon doesn't touch the ground like it's just flying above platform so it's like how do you even hit it so i like went through this whole phase of like trying to figure out what i'm supposed to do so make crownus blocks and like stand near it and then the spear is just close enough to poke it but also it spawns ice blocks and those destroy the Coronas blocks. So I had to like get really quickly and get in there. And then I was like, oh shit, well, maybe I'll um, stasis the ice blocks and then hit them back at him. And then that worked. I'm like, oh my God, that was like a really great moment of you know because i knew that you could destroy the the blocks coming at you with the cryonis and so i was doing that but then i was like okay how do i actually damage him so like throwing it at me stasis it hit it right back in his face and it like trajectories about it's really funny because it just bounces right into his face and just plants on the ground again yeah i um, couldn't work that out and then that that is the other downside of these bosses is i just because i did urbosa's fury boost like that was yes. the first upgrade i i improved upgraded again i guess you could say uh yeah it just recharged so fast that i could just sort of futz around in that fight for long enough where obosa's fury came back and i'd have another three hits that just did like a ton of damage so yeah that is one downside perhaps the uh, hero powers definitely break it a little bit um i don't know they're, they're useful though in some ways especially i think the final boss yeah Urbosa i really Furies. needed them there exactly yeah. like i was using mifa's grace and obosa's yeah. fury and like daruk's protection oh my god yeah because I think that final boss is actually what, probably the highlight of the entire thing because it is the most Zelda boss in the entire game, right? Like, it's, I, I enjoyed fighting the Ganons, but also they didn't feel unique and interesting in their own thing with, you know, in the way that a traditional Zelda dungeon boss would be. And then you're fighting this fucking monk on top of Hyrule and it's this grand setting and it's raining and it just goes through all these different phases. Like he grows giant, he splits into multiple forms. Like this is the traditional Zelda boss I was looking for the whole time. Yeah. Um, and aside from like that Koga fight, the the, the leader of the Yiga clan. Yeah, and I mean, those fights are quite similar in some ways. Like they yes. feel quite similar. I mean, they. Uh, it's interesting because, like, the the lore of this game is that the Yiga used to be part of the Sheikah tribe, right? Like, that's why they turn mm. their thing upside down. So, they, right. so the the monk you're fighting has like these Yiga things. Uh, Do you see the video that Game Explain put up about how if you throw a banana, like, he'll just run after it and eat the banana because well, the it's... final boss? Yeah, yeah. Oh. You just throw no, a banana on the that. ground. It's really funny. Uh, you can only do it once, apparently. But it's kind of like that thing with Ganon and the fishing rod and stuff in previous games. Yeah. Um, I, I like those goofy nods that they make. <laughs> um, so, 
yeah i don't know it's it's weird because like a lot of these shrines are really good like they're very solid shrines i enjoy doing them and i'm actually different to a lot of people a lot of people really were annoyed by the fact that you had to use the map to figure out where the shrines were that's one of my favorite parts of this whole dlc because like that's the exploration aspect of zelda that i love so much is like okay i'm trying to like figure out what i'm supposed to do and where i'm supposed to go and using the map and matching it up and figuring that all out i enjoyed because it like it made me go around and walk around the place and and find stuff um i don't know how you felt about that section but like the first half of this dlc i feel is far weaker like the whole one hit obliterator thing going yeah, on it's, it's um, not great it wasn't it wasn't fun you know it just yeah it didn't lean into the stuff i liked about breath of the wild especially in the shrines because there's one shrine in particular with spikes where i died a ton and i knew exactly what i had to do and every time i died oh great go back to the right to the beginning load yeah. into the shrine yeah. again whereas when you're normally doing a shrine if you fall off a ledge oh guess what you have a ton of heart so you're just going to come back yeah and... this was you are dead yeah and, and so again now i have to get the magnesis and put these uh three metal things in order again to get over this spike pit again even though i've done it six times i just thought i appreciated the challenge of fighting the enemies with the lowered health but when you're in the shrines themselves it really kills the vibe of those puzzles because those puzzles are meant to be solved once and then moved on from um I mean, at that point they're not even puzzles i guess they're just gauntlets and it's right. like they were very unusual shrines in that they were yeah. just gauntlets and the vast 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 majority of shrines uh we're all puzzle based i mean apart from i guess the ones we're fighting an enemy fine but and that is a gauntlet to a degree but these shrines were just weird and not not as fun but but interesting the later ones were much better i think i think the later ones are some of the strongest in the game uh there's a few there's one in particular where there's like this waterfall and these two metal blocks and i i was having a really hard time with it. i I like stasis one and then magnet i magneted it and then stasis it like i had to switch really quickly between the two and then get a crownless block in between and like all this stuff it was like creating the staircase and it was it was really challenging and fun like there's a lot of real deep stuff in those those shrines that was enjoyable to me um it's a and shame i agree i agree i i like the the sort of map thing where you're, you have to link it up and you think oh what part of the map is that yeah and, because they're not full-on shrine quests where the the clues are particularly uh unusual like some of the shrine quests in the main game they're sort of right fairly obvious and simplistic but that combined with trying to locate it on a map and there were some of those that were quite like oh, really satisfying when you kind of yeah. worked out where they were and and there's also there. like some fun combat stuff i really liked fighting the the flaming talos in the lava like trying to use some tactics to like yeah. I used ice arrows to freeze him so i could stand on him and hit his thingy you know there's lots of cool stuff doing with like tougher enemies that i i enjoyed yeah yeah it's um, cool and and I, I like the design of the the dlc shrines how they look different to the regular shrines. right they just it's got just this giant really, thing sticking it's out just like top. a giant rod yeah yeah it just yeah. looked weird but I, I thought it was quite cool that they just it was a good way to distinguish them at least yeah. uh know that they are different but uh yeah i don't know it's um it was just great to be back in breath of the wild honestly um i think some people have been like oh, i kind of like lowered my opinion but for me it was just like oh yeah no was... these these systems are great like this game is like i'm not getting the same type of enjoyment as i did when i was playing through the main game no, because that yeah. was such a journey of like wonder and discovery but even if you strip that stuff away the core just weird stuff you can do with the physics of this game and the the mechanical interactions that are just so funny and ridiculous are 
are why this game is like going to persist for so many years. Like you look at Twitter already with all the new gifts like popping up and and images and videos from people going through the DLC. Like it's this endless well of joy of creativity, um, and that's that's wonderful. Like it's just so fun yeah. to to go back in there and get your mind into that gear again. Yeah, and to do it like at the end of the year when you like you know game of the year discussions that we're going to have on this show and like right it's, exactly it's like it's a really nice way to be like you know what I, that was an amazing game I played earlier this year let's let's do some more of that just before the end of the year and I think it does that really well and like we already now know there was like an interview wasn't there where it's confirmed now that there's not going to be any more DLC yeah that doesn't surprise me they're already working on the next Zelda I don't think they've confirmed that it's in the same engine or anything like that but. Who no, knows? but we'll like I, I think Anuma has said something to, along the lines that Breath of the Wild is going to be a template going forward for the Zelda series. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure it will be more similar, um, or maybe it'll just be a Majora's Mask situation where they do something weird with it. Who knows? And, I, and I'd love that too. Like I, I'm open minded to what where they go next and yeah. uh, bring it on. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that's going to close us out for this first segment of the show. But don't go anywhere because we've got a lot more to come uh, on this Game of the Year special part two. Uh, So we'll be back after the break with some of your 2017 Games of the Year. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello everyone and welcome back to the final show of the year, the Game of the Year special and, well, the main Game of the Year special I should say. And we have course, too many Game of the Year specials, Bally. Yeah, way too many. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're just one podcast amongst many I'm sure that are doing something yeah, like this. Yeah, absolutely. So, this Game of the Year coming out of everywhere. So, we wanted you to send it to us, your Games of the Year, and that's exactly what you did. So we'd like to pre- say thank you very much for sending in all these lists. Uh, and we're going to go through them now. So, MBZ, do you want to kick it off? I will. Before we do that, where could they send those lists well, to Valley and any the other emails? You can't, you can't send any more lists now, MBZ. We're, we're no. past that point of time. But if you want to send a start of the year email, you can definitely Predictions send... next time. Yeah, we want, to do, do... we want to do start of the year predictions for 2018. So please send those emails to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That's thisnintendolife at gmail.com. So, MBZ. Fantastic. The first game of the year list, please. Yeah, so this comes from Paul M. from New York. Uh, Good place that I've been to once in my life I'd like to go back to again. Uh, And he says, Hey TNL guys, what an amazing year for games. I've been cramming here at the end to develop my complete goatee list, and I'm so happy with the things I've played this year. This list emits Switch ports of games from before 2017, like Doom, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and Stardew Valley. So similar to what we did last time. Uh, and so he says, number 10, Yakuza 0, number 9, Tacoma, number 8, Steamworld Dig 2, 
Number seven, Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. Number six, Golf Story. Number five, Horizon Zero Dawn. Number four, Cuphead. Number three, Super Mario Odyssey. Number two, Persona 5. And number one, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Hope you both had a great year. I plan to steal Bally's Japanese vacation at some point. Thanks for the awesome travel diary. Best wishes in 2018. Yeah, that is something that happened in 2018. Bally went to Japan. That was fun. 2017, but yes. Yeah, 2017. God yeah. damn it. No, that, was, that, was, that was an awesome thing that happened this year that, uh, yeah, I want to, to replicate in the future. Maybe not in 2018, but s- soon, soon. Yeah, but yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, very good list there. I, uh, I, a lot of those will be ending up on my uh, Game of the Year list as well. Um, so thank you, Paul, for that list. Uh, next up, who do we have, Bally? We've got Robert Gangan from the internet. I've played 20 games this year, all but two of which came out in 2017, the other two being Pokemon Go and Fire Emblem Sacred Stones. My top 10 games of the year are number 10, Minecraft Nintendo Switch Edition. I played. I put five hours into this game, never really felt compelled to do anything and kept losing my house location. My three youngest kids and my grandson love it, though, and still play it regularly. Number nine, Fire Emblem Warriors. I haven't played as much as I would like, but I know I will go back to it. I, a different take on the series, but not unenjoyable. Cannot play it in handheld mode as it's too hard on the 50-year-old eyes. Number 8, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I love to race, even though I totally suck at it. My kids, my friends, foreign students playing for the first time all beat me, but I keep coming back. Number 7, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. I've played it every day since it's released two weeks ago. Love the style and gameplay, but it will probably grow stale quickly if they don't open up more areas to explore. Number six, Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. I am a turn-based strategy fanatic, so this game lives up to my high standards. Love the Rabbids. Would rank higher if not for the stellar games still to list. Number five, Super Mario Odyssey. I tried to play Mario Mario Galaxy, but did not enjoy it at all. I prefer my Mario as a straight platformer, but hearing great things about and wanting to support the Switch and Nintendo and knowing my 20-year-old son will kill this game, I took the leap. I've been pleasantly surprised. I can see myself actually finishing this game. That is high praise from me. Number four, Ironcast. I bought this off the recommendation of, uh, well, it's Liam Robertson on Twitter, uh, with the trepidation of the Candy Crush mechanic. I dislike those games, but this blew me away. I played it for over 30 hours and brought it uh, to brought it to completion twice. I a, a couple bad random gem droppings can really screw up your entire run, but it isn't enough to throw me off playing this again and again. So then. Um, I should say that uh, Robert wanted to sneak in this game l- later uh, because he had forgot to mention it before, and that is Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows over Valentia. Uh, and he says, it's an awesome Fire Emblem game, awesome game period, many, many hours spent in it. Uh, number two, 80 hours in, and it's Stardew Valley, and still going strong. It has totally put FE Warriors and Super Mario Odyssey on the back burners. Stardew Valley is an addiction for me, always wanting to play just one more day to finish a quest or complete a bundle or reach another mine elevator level, and now in the desert. I've left the fishing to last. I've never liked any game's fishing mechanic except for uh, ACPC. I guess Animal Crossing Pocket Camp? Yeah, must be, and and I'm hoping to buy most of those from the Travelling Witch. Uh, once I'm complete the re- the restoration of the town center, I will probably go put this game down. Oh, and those are totally worms and not sticks waving in the wind. Number one, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. 
the first and only Zelda game I've uh, ever completed, i.e. finished the final boss battle. Uh, I completed all the shrines first as I tend to not continue on any games, Pokemon for example, once the main objective is complete. I have all the main armor and I've upgraded them all to their highest levels. I pre-bought the DLC but have still not looked at it because of this game. I now want an open world Pokemon game and an open world Fire Emblem game and an open world Pikmin game and a, and a 200 plus hours well spent. Uh, it is that good and easily my favorite game of all time. That's it. Not sure why I uh, went so deep or detailed on this list that might never be read. And I did enjoy the process and things are slow at work right now. Uh, well, we did read the whole thing, so there you go, Robert. Yeah, Thank you for uh, <laughs> putting all that detail. I, you know, look, Nintendo may go open world in every game from now on. You know, it may be a thing. They saw Breath of the Wild. They're like, look, we've got to do this with every single thing. Uh, and uh, people like Robert would be very pleased with that, I guess, because it's uh, it's resonated. Uh, so yeah, it's all this. Some uh, some interesting picks in there. Ironcast is one that I know was popping up on uh, on Switch and stuff, but uh, yeah, I haven't looked into that at all. So that's interesting. Intrigued um, that Robert's not a fan of Mario Galaxy. Yeah, interesting. You know, we all have our controversial opinions, such as us and uh, our old uh, you know Mario Three and Mario World oh, opinions. God, but yep. uh, you know, you got to live with those because uh, everyone's an individual and unique and different. Uh, so uh, I appreciate that boldness uh, at the very least. Uh, the next uh, email is from a good friend of the show, a service from the internet, who says, MBZ, Bali, and everyone else listening, it's that time of year again. The snow is falling, lights are shining, and it gets dark at around 4pm. This can only mean one thing. We should all arbitrarily rank the games that came out this year. Uh, I don't think I'm the first to notice this, but 2017 has been a pretty good year for video game releases. So much so that while Splatoon was my game of the year in 2015, Splatoon 2 is only getting an honourable mention, along with excellent games such as Horizon, Mario Plus Rabbids, Fire Emblem Echoes, and my favourite Shovel Knight campaign, Spectre of Torment. Now, onto the list. Uh, number five, Super Mario Odyssey. Nintendo themselves classify the 3D Mario games into the ones that are more exploration-focused, such as 64 and Sunshine, and the ones that are more linear but provide more of a dexterity challenge, such as the Galaxy games. The true genius of Odyssey is how Mario's arsenals of jump and cap throw maneuvers allows you, if you want, to combine these two styles of play. Number four, Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony. The way this game identifies its audience and then deliberately fucks with them is something else. The cases that bookend this game are absolutely phenomenal in this regard. This Danganronpa is polarizing, but it's easily my favorite. Number three, Yakuza 0. Hands down the funniest game I've ever played. The main story can be ridiculous, but mostly remains grounded, where the game really stands out as the absurd mini-games and wacky side stories, and there are a lot to both. I was completely caught off guard by how much fun I had experiencing this game. It certainly deserves all the high praise it gets from its advocates. Number two, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. The most crafted and well-designed world I've ever explored. The exploration loops the game creates for you between the towers, the shrines, the Korok seeds, and the other interesting stuff is unparalleled. This game delivers on the promise of letting you truly feel like you're going on an adventure in a way no game has done before. Number one, Persona 5. The amount of care put into every aspect of this game is off the charts. The soundtrack is majestic, every menu and splash screen is dripping with style, the palaces are actually designed and ambushing a shadow feel satisfying right through the game. The story twists are delivered masterfully and I think this is the best cast the series has ever had. In particular, the supporting cast is a real step up from the previous two games. After over 100 hours, I was upset it was over. And then he sneaks in a number zero, uh, the nonary games. 
The first two Zero Escape games are absolute storytelling masterpieces and are two of my favourite games of all time, so I would be remiss not to mention this HD remaster of both games in one. In particular, they really polish up the first game, vastly improving the visuals from a DS game to a PS4 game, adding voice acting and making it so you don't have to play through the game multiple times from the beginning to get the mind-melting true ending. Sorry for writing too much again, I will endeavour to send shorter emails in the new year. May the force be with you, a service. Um, I actually didn't realise that they'd put out the two Zero Escape games as an HD collection on PS4, because I've been meaning to play 999 for freaking ages, and I just have never got around to it, I've never felt like it was a good time, and I always was kind of like, it's very reading heavy and there's not any voice acting, so it's good to hear that that's happened, I had no idea that happened, so thanks for bringing that to my attention, the service, I might actually get to those games uh, at this point, so there you go. Interesting. Um... Our next email is from Capsule J from Georgia, USA. Merry Christmas, Bally and Nebby Zed. In years past, my gaming time has been primarily devoted to getting caught up on older games, but the release of the Nintendo Switch has completely changed that. As a result, my 2017 list was the far more contentious of my goatee list and involved making a lot of hard decisions. Without further ado, here are my top 10 games of the year that actually did come out this year. Number 10, Ever Oasis. Number 9, Doki Doki Literature Club. Number 8, Fast RMX. Number 7, Jackbox Party Pack 3. Number 6, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Number 5, Shin Megami Tensei uh, Synchronicity Prologue Number 4 Golf Story Number 3 Snipper Clips Number 2 Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild And number 1 Super Mario Odyssey While every game on this list is, is fantastic 2017 was really all about the number 1 and 2 slots Going against the trend of the Keelys and many other major awards Mario took the top spot for me While Zelda was a revelation and, ama- and an amazing experience that would have effortless, effortlessly taken number one any other year. The pure moment-to-moment joy and satisfying conclusion of Mario Odyssey gave it a slight edge. Setting the top two spots aside, this year's list also involved having to find a way to compare Doki Doki Literature Club and Fast RMX. Will the insanity ever end? Best, wish, best wishes for the new year and thanks for another year of wonderful podcasts. Yeah, I agree that absurdity of ranking these games which are so completely removed from one another and should not be compared in any way is so stupid uh and yeah it's you know i love it i love it it's the 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 best kind of stupidity uh so thanks capsule j for that nice shout uh, out to golf story there very yes absolutely absolutely we'll get there um uh so next up we have alex from houston texas uh, says dear nbz and bali i got married and started law school this year so sadly i haven't had much time to play video games in fact i didn't even play five games that came out this year but i played the two most important ones and that's all that really matters so number three pokemon ultra sun i've only been able to put five hours into this game so far so i can't say how much about i'm enjoying it yet although the reason i've played so little of it is that so far it's pretty much identical to the beginning of sun which was a slow start already so make of that what you will i know bali you'll you'll get to pokemon sun eventually yeah I've, i'm um, still on that slow start yeah yeah i guess that's probably why you fell off it i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna get there uh, so number two, Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, when Odyssey was announced, I was a bit sceptical. Mainly the capture mechanic didn't look interesting to me. I'm happy to say that I was proven very wrong. While I would probably still say I prefer normal power-ups to Cappy, the wide variety of enemies and objects to capture help keep the gameplay fresh and fast-paced. The game does so much more to entice the player as well. The kingdoms are so bright and colourful, with secrets around pretty much every corner that kept me coming back on the hunt for power moons. Movement in this game feels great, especially with the addition of the dive mechanic, which adds so many options for jumping. I 
I currently have 996 power moons and the purple coins, and I'm trying to conquer the darker side of the moon, which is proving to be tough as I hoped it would be. But even after that, I might still go back for some of the other kingdoms just to see the sights and listen to some of the fantastic music in the game. Uh, and number one, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Odyssey might be a fun game, but Breath of the Wild is a transcendent game. When it first came out, it occupied nearly my near every waking thought. Could I do this? What will happen if I approach from this way? I wonder what's over that mountain. I've put over 200 hours into it, and I'm still not done. I think that's a part of me that just can't play- say goodbye. I don't know what else I can say about this game that hasn't already been said. It's magical, and I don't think, uh, or I don't know if there's ever been a better time to be a Nintendo fan. Thanks, uh, Alex from Houston, Texas. P.S. I still believe in the double-bladed lightsaber dream for Ray. Taking that home, Bally. It's, it's happening. It's gonna happen. It's Love gonna it. happen. It will happen. It will. It will happen. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, look, Mario Odyssey, Mario Odyssey, and Zelda dominating, of course, as expected uh, <laughs> from our listeners so far. Uh, I like, I like uh, the, the idea that Odyssey is a fun game, but Breath of the Wild is transcendent. Yes, I, I a, think that that mirrors uh, mirrors my feelings as well. But we'll get there. We will get there. Um, our next email is from Max, who's from the internet. Hey guys, while I only own Nintendo consoles at the moment, Nintendo had a really strong 2017 with plenty of great games to talk about. Here are my top five. Number five, Fire Emblem Echo Shadows of of Valentia. It was a difficult choice between this and Metroid, but I think I enjoyed Fire Emblem slightly more. Echoes was a nice change of pace from the other 3D Fire Emblem games, and it's probably my favorite out of those titles. Number four, Splatoon 2. I really loved the first Splatoon, and while Splatoon 2 isn't as innovative, it's a lot more refined. This is a game I'm still playing pretty consistently, and with new updates practically every week, I can see myself still playing for a long time. Number three, Super Mario Odyssey. Odyssey is an incredibly creative platformer with so much content and variety. Mario has never controlled better, and I really hope they make a sequel, as I would otherwise miss Cappy. Number two, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is an incredible game. I can't believe that uh, believe they were able to change the well-established Zelda formula and have this much success on their first try. The Zelda series has such a bright future ahead. Number one, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. To think an impulse buy beat out Zelda for my top spot this year, I haven't finished the first Xenoblade and haven't touched X, so Xenoblade 2 wasn't really on my radar this year, but I bought it anyway after the reviews looked positive. While Xenoblade 2 does have some smaller issues, I loved almost everything about this game. The fantastic battle system, great characters, solid story, and beautiful soundtrack have kept me playing every day since release. I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say Xenoblade 2 goes in a a direction I was not expecting, and I absolutely absolutely loved it also the xenoblade 2 soundtrack is now my favorite of all time with the uriah uriah day theme being such a standout track for me thanks for the great year of podcasts yeah so max actually sent in a uh, email about xenoblade that uh, i didn't get to unfortunately last time we'll maybe bring up some points when we get to uh, our game of the year stuff from it but um yeah it seems like he was just taken away by xenoblade 2 uh, which is interesting um because the ending of Xenoblade 2, for me, is very uh, contingent upon you knowing the original Xenoblade Chronicles. So I do wonder how it plays to someone who uh, doesn't have that experience. But uh, that's that's cool. It's you know it certainly uh, improves a lot on a lot of things in the original Xenoblade. I am um, crazily intrigued now by this like story and twist at the end. I think <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna I have don't to know. I don't know if it's worth point. for you to play seventy hours of this game <laughs> to get there, Bali. Maybe just YouTube it. But boy, yeah, how maybe. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, let's then uh, move on to uh, some messages from our Discord server. 
Um, so, uh, who, did you just read that one? I can't remember. Everything's gone out of order. No, um, um, no. the you next did. one on the Discord server is Tim. Yeah, so, uh, no, I was just wondering who... I couldn't remember who just read the last uh, thing. Uh, so I, I, I just read, read this. it. So I'll read it this. Uh, so this is from Tim, and he says, if it's not too late to make a, a late amendment to my top five list, uh, SteamWorld Dig 2 deserves a place, even though I've just gotten started with it. The new list would be... Number one, Breath of the Wild. Number two, Shadows of Valentia. Number three, Golf Story. Number four, SteamWorld Dig 2. And number five, Samus Returns. Good games there. Yep. Uh, our next post on Discord is from Throwhill. Uh, DMZ and Bally. I never tend to play a lot of games the year that they are released. And because of that, I'm almost never able to make a proper game of the year list either. However... This year it was quite different. In 2017 there were just so many great looking new games that came out that I couldn't wait any longer to play them. So for the first time in three years I was finally able to put together a top five games of the year list. I also included my list uh, of games that didn't come out this year because I forgot to send it in the previous episode. Anyway, lastly, one of the games on the list I got in one of your giveaways. So I just wanted to thank you guys and let's see if uh, you can remember which game it was. I hope you enjoy my list and always keep up the great work. So top five games of the year. Number five, uh, Persona 5. Number four, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number three, Cuphead. Number two, Super Mario Odyssey. And number one, Nier Automata. And then he's also provided his list of games that didn't come out this year, which I guess I could run through incredibly fast, which is number five, Fire Emblem 7, number four, Axiom Verge, number three, The Witness, number two, Persona 2, uh, Innocent Sin, and Persona 2, Eternal Punishment, and number one, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. I believe The Witness is the game that he got from us uh, in a giveaway. Oh, right. Because so, we had uh, some spare codes for that game. So uh, I'm glad he enjoyed it. And you've not played that game, have you? No, because it makes me motion sick <laughs> and I will die if I play it. Um, but yeah, Nier Automata there. I think that's one of the first uh, instances we've seen of that uh, getting a mention. Yeah. A lot of, pe- lot of people talking about that game. Uh, next up, we have uh, James uh, Technologic from Cheshire in the UK. And he says, MBZ and Bally, while I didn't play too many games that were released this year, I played enough to give a solid top five. So here we go. Number five, Absolver. Number four, Neo. Number three, Breath of the Wild. Number two, Fire Emblem Echo Shadows of Valentia. Number one, Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, as for games that weren't released this year, I had a lot of fun with my first ever Dark Souls game, Dark Souls 3, which I love for the challenge that Death March Witcher th- uh, 3 didn't give. Uh, I also played Transistor, which was absolutely beautiful, an experience I definitely recommend. It's super cheap when it goes on sale, so pick it up if you can. My final mention is Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War, which filled my Fire Emblem void pretty damn well. The story is one of the best in the entire series, if not the best. The characters are memorable, and the child system actually works in this game, which is great to see. I can't say it's easy, and there are a lot of weird things you don't get in the newer titles, but overall, I really enjoyed it, and it honestly... Uh, hope it gets a remake in the near future uh, though my bet for the next remake is fire emblem 6 or 7 which i think i would agree with uh, and uh yeah so uh he's got some stuff for next year as well but i think we'll maybe get to that uh, in our predictions episode or um, looking forward what is uh, fire emblem genealogy of the holy war i believe it is fire emblem 5 or 4 i think it might be fire emblem 4 on so it came out NES? on super nintendo, oh, super nintendo. uh yeah uh, japanese only but there are fan translations out there um, so that's uh, that's how people play those games uh, in this day and age. Uh, I think he ends off saying, uh, thanks guys, keep up the great work on the podcast. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well, James. 
Our next message is from Chaotix. Uh, three games this year. Breath of the Wild. Of course, this game has to be on here. Don't normally have interest in anything as open-ended as this game. I still haven't finished the game as I would keep getting distracted each time I played the game. It was excellent and still the only Switch game I own, but that will change soon. Uh, Sonic Mania. I was never uh, as much of a fan of classic Sonic games uh, as much as the Dreamcast era games, but this game was still great, including the best elements of the old games uh, that were also included. Uh, never gotten through a classic game properly either, but the gameplay was fun and great. Pokemon Ultra Moon. As usual, buying every single Pokemon game continues. It's weird since Gen 5's uh, different third version nonsense, but just the post-game enough with this game was still fun. Yeah, I remember when I just bought every Pokemon game just because it was my Those job, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> job. Uh, glad that's over. It's just can't deal with it man like i'm looking at ultra sun and ultra moon i'm like god people still out there just buying the same game again basically <laughs> like jesus yeah I, I do want to get back to pokemon sun but i, I don't think yeah. i'm gonna be convinced by ultra sun no I, I don't think so yeah uh so yes and then we have the last one from flapjackal who says i usually don't buy many games anymore so i want to know uh something i'll play so my personal selection is always small of what I played this year, my Nintendo game of the year is Breath of the Wild. Easy. Uh, Non-Tendo, I'd give it to Persona 5. Now, the discussion, I'd say, is between the two of them for which is my actual game of the year. Uh, so I've been with both franchises for a long time. While I've been with Zelda longer, I do judge it without a bias in its favor. Having played them, the impact I got from Zelda was so much larger. Persona had a fantastic story and wasn't nearly as grindy as the previous installments. They streamlined some less likable features and made the fun bit still fun. However, I do gotta say, some of the things were predictable. As well as the end game, I don't... You don't really have to try at all in combat, you can just cruise through really easily. Now Zelda, though not having as linear a storyline compared to previous installments, it still had what I believe is a good one. The plot works well with merging the characters and Link into the same place, and if you go out of your way to find the memoirs, it's well worth it. Even after beating the game, I'll just put Zelda on because the game world made is so enjoyable and alive. The whole idea that this world that continued without the hero is made so well because the actual game world continues moving whether you do anything or not. Monsters attack people, animals roam, and time moves forward. So overall, my game of the year is Breath of the Wild. Well, so there you I, have it. I, I sense a theme amongst a number mm. of these emails. Yeah, but, uh, yeah maybe. Just I a little we theme. we can talk about that in the next segment. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you, everyone, for sending in all of your games of the year. There's a hell of a lot there. Um, and uh, yeah, there's lots of uh, interesting things to discuss. And we're going to discuss them uh, in the next I should say very show. quickly before we head to the next segment, another reminder that next show we're going to do our predictions for 2018. So we want you Absolutely. to send in uh, your own predictions for what you think will happen in the world of Nintendo video games for 2018. So please send your emails to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Um, and as we said, I guess it's on to the third segment where we will be discussing our own top five games of the year amongst some other awards as well so catch us after the break for the third segment
All right, folks, welcome back to the third and final part of this show, our final show of the year, the last show of 2017. It's time for Game of the Year discussion, debate, arguments, agreements. Agreements, that's yeah. the important one. There we yeah. Go. Um, so the structure of what we're going to be doing here is we have a list of seven categories uh, in which we are going to name a runner-up and a winner, just personally, between Bally and myself. We're not going to argue about that. That's just going to be a fun discussion of here are some cool games that we want to highlight from this year that we enjoyed. Um, and, uh, and then we're going to d- jump into our top five, which is discussing games on Nintendo platforms that were released for the first time this year and uh, we're going to come down to a conclusion of what is our joint listed in order 5 to 1 uh, for that. So that's going to be the grand finale, and uh, yes, there will be a lot of discussion about all the games. We should point out with our with our seven side awards that we've we've made it, there's no overlap within each of our... Uh our lists essentially yeah. so like you can't nominate the same game for two you games. can't just have mario odyssey win every award basically i mean i'd like to do that but yeah i know you would yeah uh, but so, uh anyway yes so so uh, yeah get a bit of a broad selection going on here uh so let's kick things off with our first category which is best looking game which is something i stole from giant bomb because they used to do best graphics artistic and best graphics technical which a lot of the time, I feel like people break down best graphics, and then you have stuff like Battlefront and Witcher 3 winning all the time, and then you don't acknowledge all these other games that I think look good. So I think best-looking game is just a general uh, umbrella term. Uh, so, Bally, what's your runner-up for your best-looking game? Uh, my runner-up didn't come out this year, but I played it this year, and it looks beautiful, and that is Warrior Shake It, or yeah. uh, Shake Dimension. Uh that is an art style I love. It just looks like uh, I think the term Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, is, like it just it just looks like that. It's great. I love it. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. We've talked about it a lot in recent shows. Um, can we just get good feel to do that again, please? Like I understand that they're on the Yoshi train. They're very busy with their Yoshi and, and bits of fabric and wool and yarn yeah. and all these things. But you know, a bit of just you know good old cartoon direction would be good. Yeah, I do like that Nintendo like do that arts and crafts stuff, but I think we're maybe past the point of it now. Like, it feels like they've just been hanging on to it for a bit too long. Um, so I yeah, I don't feel like the reception to Willy World was like incredible, and then they no. just went on and on ahead and went for another one. There are like, so why? many like amazing things in Willy World, like the way the the string is used for like water ripples and like glitter bits used for stuff like that. It's it's very clever in the way it uses that art. Um, but I don't know. I think it's just because you you have that initial impact of epic yarn, and then after that, nothing's going to quite get that same impact again. Yeah, um, unfortunate. Uh, so my runner-up for best-looking game is Hollow Knight, uh, which is a game that has a gorgeous art direction. Um, and I really, I think the thing that stands out most to me about Hollow Knight is just how good the animations are. Just every little thing in the environment that you touch, every bush that like rustles, every rock that clatters to the ground. Um, it's just so fluid and, and, and looks great. It's maybe would better use uh, some more like color in its palette because it is kind of a dark grimy game. But when it does have that stuff and it does punctuate it, uh, it looks really excellent and this is a game that I really want to see running on the Switch screen because I think it will look fantastic uh, on that uh, that bright. It's coming to Switch. Uh, yes. We don't know when exactly, but it should be 2018 at some point, right? Yeah, next year. Looks like Hollow Knight is going to hit next year. I'm very excited uh, for people to play that uh, because it's yeah, it's one of those underlooked games this you year. Think you might pick it up again. 
I don't know, man. Like, there's too much new stuff happening, you know? That's the problem. I'm intrigued to know what the first Switch game is that comes out that is going to be a double dip for you, where you're like, oh, God, I mean, I've already got this game and loved it, but I just got to play it on the Switch. (laughs) I feel like Super Meat Boy might be that. um, Meat Boy? What about the, the Stardew Valley multiplayer? Yeah, that, I think that's probably the b- bigger proposition because that allows me to do something new, which is just like have an online farm with you and that would be freaking oh, great. That would be good. <laughs> be good. Fun time. Anyway, yes, Hollow Knight, my runner-up. What's your winner for best looking game, Bally? My winner is a game I didn't play uh, and there's, we've talked about rumours about this game coming to Switch, but I mean, this has won art awards across the board like this year and that is, of course, Cuphead. Uh, it's that It's art style is incredible uh taking a, an artistic theme and running with it uh, i don't think a game's ever done as well as this game no it's also my winner so there you go there you go <laughs> i thought it might be I, I did play this game uh and it's not just the um you know the the great art style i think it's just the variety of locations and different ideas about bosses that you have like you go from this like robot in this kind of scientific landscape to this mermaid of an ocean and like there's a lot of um like callbacks to old cartoons and things in there but also some just new fresh ideas that are being uh, put to the fore and it's um it's hard to argue with cuphead being the best looking game because it's just it's it's kind of untouchable. Like there are some really great stylistic games out there that I thought would be very close to beating it for me, but uh, it doesn't. It doesn't quite hit the mark. You know, Cuphead just nails it. I think the what maybe the one thing that was a little weird when I started playing it was there's a lot of film grain over the top, which I was like, oh, I, I, I thought it might look better if you took that away, but that really is just the whole point of the yeah, game is to have it, that yeah. established style. So, uh, yeah, agreed there. There we go. Both chose Cuphead. Uh, next up is best soundtrack. Bally, what's your runner-up for best soundtrack? My runner-up is Metroid: Samus Returns. Oh wow! Um, okay, I love that. There's quite a lot of themes from multiple Metroid games in this game. Most notably, I found Metroid Prime. Yeah, uh, it it's very has... Prime influence generally on this. Yeah, game. there's just some there's some banging tunes in this, and like all the Metroid classics come back and it's a bit strange because i think a lot of them come back in a game where in the original game obviously they didn't have this music and like the music was a real uh, part of the game that was completely redone and rewritten so i just think it works really well it's got you know your magma caverns bomping theme and Uh yeah just it's got some absolute great songs in there uh that really make you feel like you're playing a a wealth of metro games not just like samus returns which i I, I really liked yeah i uh, i don't know the music didn't stick out for me in samus returns unfortunately i think it is because of what you're getting at is it is a lot of retraversal of older stuff um there's less like new themes baked in there but i also think that's because like mercury steam are taking on a lot it's this big legacy and i think they they made the decision to let's just lean on this old stuff which we know won't make people angry (laughs) uh so so that maybe is why um yeah good choice nice uh my runner-up is xenoblade chronicles 2 uh which the original xenoblade chronicles one of my favorite soundtracks of all time uh this one stands tall next to it it's an incredible rich soundtrack with so much so much like variety in it Um, better than x yeah i did not care for a lot of x like there's the thing with there's, x there's, is there's that, a handful in there that are great but like the the, the overworld in themes there. in x are fantastic like you think of um can't even remember the names of the continents now but like the What's ice the, continent 
um noctilum yeah. noctilum had a great soundtrack i really liked oblivia as well like the desert yeah. area has some really good stuff but then you go into uh new, new la, LA yeah, and it's just that, like uh, that uh, Joe, uh. that's the the rfn <laughs> it is and it's so true <laughs> though it's like uh, yeah stuck on a different planet yeah. like all these lyrics <laughs> and stuff is just awful um there is a, there's a great cheesiness to that soundtrack but like there is a grandeur and splendor and reverence in the other two xenoblade games that is very starkly contrasted to x like it's just a completely different thing you know they're going for a different thing um and so yeah you have like the interline praetorium like this swelling choir and then you have uh, I can't remember the name of the track, but it's basically the sequel to Engage the Enemy, which is used in a lot oh, of the right. cutscenes. Um, and yeah, and then you have the really quiet piano tracks that are used in some of like, the flashback cutscene stuff. Is there a tragic decision equivalent? I, I don't think there quite is. And that's the thing that maybe sets this a little bit down from the original, is that the entire soundtrack is so solid, but I don't think there's as many like individual tracks that, that blew me away. Um but I loved everything. Like more Ardane when you get there, it's like dun 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 like this really upbeat uh overworld theme that was very different mm. from Xenoblade game. So yeah, love it. Great music in Xenoblade 2. Um my winner uh is it's quite an obvious pick when you actually think about it, but I am not sure if you will have included it, is a Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment. Oh wow, uh, nice, yeah. That's a good shout. Shovel Knight just has really, really strong music. And with the the sort of expansion games, so uh, Plague of Shadows and Spectre of Torment, while they also include a few, a handful of new songs, what they're really good at is remixing original songs uh, in some really incredible arrangements. Uh, so all the levels which have like their iconic theme from the original game, uh, I, I want to say that in every single one of those levels... Uh, Spectre of Torment takes that theme and does something unusual with it, and yeah, there's a twist on each of them. It like that that sort of chip tune music is just there's few games that have better chip tune music than Shovel Knight in my mind. Yeah. Uh, and Spectre of Torment just hits it out of the park again. Like Shovel Knight is just so good for that stuff. Yeah, the, a lot of those like remixes, I was getting like Mega Man vibes from some of them, which was really cool because you know that's a, a huge influence on them, uh, and it makes sense for that game to have that similar sound. So that was yeah, that was great. I did forget about that actually. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm like, man, yeah, Shovel Knight: Strike of Torment, really good soundtrack. Um, so yeah, uh, my winner should be no surprise to anyone who's listened to this podcast. It's Persona Five, uh, without a shadow of the di- uh, doubt. It's um, it's my favorite soundtrack and like since xenoblade chronicles like it's weird that we're in a year when we get the sequel to xenoblade and yet it's not my favorite music of the year um but there are moments where the music just is the dna of this game like it's just so perfect in every moment it's used like from the chill cafe vibes to uh when you're about to steal a treasure from a palace and it just starts kicking in with life will change it's like like the guitar just starts riffing and the vocals kick in and you're just like running through the palace to get to this area it's incredible i absolutely love every single theme uh and you hear it a lot like this is a game that is for a 90 hour rpg a lot of the time you know if i was grinding I would still have the music on, which is astonishing because 
I don't do that. Like, I usually just have it off if I'm grinding and, like, do something else and don't listen to it. But the battle themes are so good. And, like, the, even the when you finish a battle, like, the ending screen has such a uh, a great victory uh, melody to it. That, like, it's, it's as iconic, I think, as, like, the Final Fantasy ending melody when you finish a battle. Um, it's tremendous. Like, absolutely fantastic. My favorite soundtrack in years. Persona 5, so good. Nice. Shall we move on to the next category? Yes, let's do it. Uh, which is biggest slash best surprise. Um, yeah, I didn't know whether to go with that one or the other because I think they're like slightly different. But it's just like what surprised us this year was the thing that surprised yeah. us the most. Uh, so what's your runner-up, Bally? Uh, my runner-up we talked about earlier in the show, and that is Goro Goa. Oh, nice. Right. Um, obviously, I did have a couple of issues with that game, but I thought overall, like, it was such a great surprise. Like, it, it was a game that I knew nothing about until you even mentioned it, MBZ, and then all of a sudden it was like, this is a really great game. And it's yeah. it's very short. It's, it's, it's tough in places, as I mentioned, uh, but it's it does stuff that even within it, within the fact that it is a surprising game, the start, the some of the mechanics in it are incredibly surprising. Like you think, like uh, I can't even think of any other game that has mechanics s- similar at all to like what this game goes for when it comes to moving those blocks and lining up stuff like ledges and shapes and yeah. creating mechanisms. And it's very clever, very surprising, and fit for this category. Yeah, that's a good one. I, maybe I just slipped my mind there because I just I've just played it. But it's, yeah, it's not it's not on my list because my runner up is Golf Story, uh, which is a game that shocked uh, a lot of people that how good it was, especially leading up to launch because the the developers like had been radio silent and no one like had heard from them and no one really knew what was going on with the game. Uh, and then it came out and people were like, "Hey, this game's really good. Like, this is actually a p- true proper successor to the Mario like Camelot games." and uh yeah it was just such a joy all the way through there's so many like little moments in it that were kind of uh you know came out of nowhere and and uh got me and i was like man this is it's just an enjoyable romp of like hey you're playing a lot of golf but also there's these kooky characters around and you're finding doing side quests and it all just fits together so nicely uh so golf story is my runner-up well golf story is actually my winner in yes. this category uh and i agree with everything you've said i th- like it I, I thought it was going to end up being quite a short game i ended up sinking 20 hours into it uh and every single moment was a joy uh and it really mixes up some interesting gameplay in there it's not just golf like you said uh and it's got some of the best writing in like this year i would say like some of those cut scenes uh there's no there's no like uh uh, voiceovers or anything but it's the way that it punctuates written text with s- small and large text boxes and things like that that just adds so much uh charm to this game uh, and it's got solid golf mechanics i thought they were they were uh, by and large very good there were some issues with perhaps like the uh the putting uh, and indicating slopes and things like that but other than that i thought it was super solid uh and such a surprise i think we knew about this game maybe from a, a, a direct like maybe a few months before it came out uh and then it just hit and everyone was playing it and talking about it and it's almost like there was there was a slight believe it or not lull in 2017 where this was the game everyone was playing at one point I it hit say. number one on the eShop, so right you know, it did i think it was well. and it was before stuff like stardew valley rocket league and other yeah. stuff that kind of uh took over when that came out so the it came guns, out a good time yeah. yeah and it was ahead of mario odyssey so it just 
really uh, got a lot of people talking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an excellent choice, uh, but it's not quite as good as my winner, which is Metroid Samus Returns, which is a game that should not be this good. Uh, I'm incredibly <laughs> surprised at how good Samus Returns is. Uh, not only was I surprised by its announcement, the fact we're getting a new goddamn 2D Metroid, um, but it's made by Mercury Steam, who made a very subpar 2D Castlevania on 3DS, who don't have a great history like in super quality games. Uh, the art style was something I was very turned off by. Like I just, in every sense of the word, this should not have worked, despite it being a 2D Metroid, and yet I, I enjoyed it a whole hell of a lot. Uh, and I just devoured it over the space of a couple of days. It was just such a, such a thrill to be back in another 2D Metroid again. So absolutely the most surprising, shocking knock me out of my face uh game is metroid samus returns so uh the next uh, award is the time vampire award for most hours played which is a very easy one to do so uh we'll just uh, maybe mention these but uh my, my i'll start off this time uh my runner-up is legend of zelda breath of the wild played it for 110 hours including the dlc now uh which is a very long time it's longer than most games i play so uh yeah what's yours bally uh, technically my runner-up is splatoon 2 uh sitting oh, at about wow, okay. 40 hours uh, huh. but uh i know i'm currently playing both mario odyssey and stardew valley that are both sitting on about 30 35 hours and i know that they will both definitely overtake splatoon 2 even though i also want to go back to that game and play more because there's so much more of that game that's just come out uh so it's between those three i'll go it is splatoon 2 technically but i think the other two games i just mentioned uh, will overtake it at some point in the near future uh, but technically nice. for 2017 splatoon 2 uh, my winner is overwatch which should not be a surprise but too many hours into that wow. game i don't even want to look honestly like my counter i think is broken because it only counts time spent playing game in the game which doesn't count being in the game client but also like there are certain modes early on when i started playing that weren't actually being counted for whatever reason so I feel like I'm in the realm of 150 hours, but it says like 115 You checked or something. in basically weekly with that game the whole year, right? Yeah. Uh, I need to play some more uh, before Tuesday to get my loot boxes. Uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, devoured that game. Uh, my number one is obviously Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, I think with the DLC, I've, I'm up to 130, 135 hours, uh, yeah. maybe. So a little bit ahead of you, MZ, but yeah wow just very easy to sink a lot of time into that game and i know like so many of my friends on my switch have played way more than that when you like look yeah. at their hour counts and things. even a couple of our listeners writing in were like over 200 hours and stuff which is pretty exactly. staggering you know and like if i had a bit more time and space i would definitely go back to that game more and then just do more of the side quests and maybe look for a few more corks that sort of thing so i could easily yeah. see myself going higher on that as well totally yeah it's a, it's a game you always come back to. Uh, our next category is Most Charm. Uh, so it's just a game that we'll charmed the pants charm. off us. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Guillaume Viet category. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a good like, amorphous category for, like, hey, this is, I like the style and, you know, the the niceties of this game. Uh, so what is your runner-up for this category, Bally? Uh, my runner-up is Stardew Valley. Oh, nice. Uh, Very good. It it's got quite a distinctly different aesthetic to its sort of uh, spiritual predecessor harvest moon uh it's more vibrant i think some of the the sprite designs are better uh, yeah. than most of them actually uh 
And there's just a real nice attention to detail combined with, like I said, colors that really pop. And of course, that soundtrack is just so, it all comes together into this package that's just so, um, I don't want to say charming, that's cheating this category, but that's essentially what <laughs> well, it is. Well, that is the point of this it's, category, it, it's isn't charming. it? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think it just, it comes together really well uh, for something that's quite unique. Yeah. Uh, my runner-up is Sonic Mania, uh, which is a game that absolutely takes you back uh, to the good old days of Sonic uh, for many people, in which I wasn't really around playing Sonic games back then, but you know, I've, ex- I've experienced some Sonic 2 in my day, and um, I like the look of Genesis Sonic. There's something, there's something real kind of round and nice and chunky about Sonic back in those days, uh, and it's just a really colourful, vibrant, really fun game with a lot of throwbacks and references and just neat mechanics and there's a lot of like goofy animation stuff like there's uh, a level where sonic can get frozen in a block of ice and there's this just like frozen look on his face as he like slides around uh, and then like cracks out of it there's some some just good surprises in there uh, that uh, makes it a real a real charmer i really enjoyed just a lot of the kind of peripheral around that game my number one for most charm uh, is Snipper Clips. Oh, wow, uh, nice. Yeah, th- this game, just the facial expressions on those two characters are yeah, just hilarious. It's, it's real goofy they stuff. They are so zany, so goofy, and like, like it, it could be like a good game um, that you could play together even if those shapes didn't even have faces. It, it, like some of the Right, it's mechanically quite, solid enough. Too. Yeah, it's mechanically solid enough. It's good fun, but like the added hilarity of some of the faces they pull when like you're standing on each other or like there's parts just intervening like intercepting each other and they like like make squashed faces and like just hilarious uh expressions so yeah i played this game like when it came out at the start of the year i think it came out with switch launch actually and um yeah i did played it with caroline and we both just had a really good time uh a lot of uh laughter had for sure uh and yeah, I, I think we might try and get the expansion pack at some point. But it's just a really, a really cute game, uh, and the, the like. The soundtrack is very sort of uh, light-hearted uh, and, and fits the the zany, uh, charming aesthetic. Absolutely, uh, yeah, that's a good choice. I uh, we should play Snipperclips together at some point. Um, yeah, definitely that, yeah, down good. the line. Uh, my winner is Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Uh, what a weird freaking goofy game this is. Uh, there are so many like little skits and moments with the rabbits just being dumbasses that I think a lot of people were skeptical about when this game was first announced. They're like, oh, I hate the minions, I hate the rabbits, but I've never like been a hater of either of those two, uh, you know, categories of uh, what do you even call them? Like creatures? Um, yeah, like, creatures. Uh, yeah anthropomorphic uh, yeah. uh weird fuzzies um so <laughs> uh i really love that stuff i just think there's a real um slapstick element that comes along with it and i know that's your kind of favorite form of comedy but it's <laughs> just them it's not my over. favorite but it's something well, you, I, you, I, do I know react you... quite quite a lot to yeah anytime there's like some stupid facebook video you send me <laughs> you're just laughing your ass off at it um, <laughs> this is true uh, yeah, that's definitely a thing. But um, yeah, there's a lot of like funny moments that are unexpected in Mario Plus Rabbids. Like one of the bosses is this opera singer and 
he has like all these lines about mario and him being a plumber and stuff and it's like fully voice acted and sung and it's really strange in like this mario game to have this voice acting going on um let alone you know this kind of opera singer guy but uh a lot of quirky characters just it's a goofy ass world they've created and i really loved just going through and seeing all the nonsense that that went on it's my winner most charm mariposa rabbits nice um Next category is a weird category because <laughs> I just came up with this. I'm like, oh, there's lots of games that I've watched on YouTube and I want to talk about, but l- let's do it in a category. Uh, so this is the best game I watched but didn't play award. Um, so <laughs> what's your runner-up for this? So I, I sort of I sort of interpreted this as like games I've seen and really want to play but I haven't played for whatever reason. Sure, that's fair um, enough, I guess. So my runner-up is Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh, wow, nice. Um People are saying a lot of good stuff about that game, and yeah. it looks really good, and I want to try it, and it's cool, you know? I mean, we've, I've definitely had a bigger open world fill this year, of course, with Zelda, but that game looks awesome, Like, and I I absolutely loved Black Flag. I want to try another Assassin's Creed at some point. Uh, not that they're going to come to Switch anytime soon, but who knows? We'll see. I don't know. Maybe? Well, yeah, I don't know. Assassin's Creed's a big powerhouse. Um uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely a game that I've been thinking more about positively because when it first came out, I think people were kind of negative on like the opening and stuff, and they're like, eh, I don't know if this is good or not. But as time has gone on, a lot more people are a lot more positive on it, and it's a cool setting. Like Egypt is a setting that I'm definitely into. Um, yeah, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm just not sure I'm a fan of it, the the mechanics of Assassin's Creed and how it feels. So just the number of little uh, things you can go and see, and yeah, yeah, bit, yeah I, I can see that. Great. Uh, my runner-up is the original Xenoblade Chronicles because I watched Ben Moore from Easy Allies uh, play through a, a bunch of this on Twitch earlier this year. Um, and what that did was basically cement the original Xenoblade Chronicles as one of my favorite games ever made. Um, just watching his reactions to all the reveals and all the amazing things that happened, seeing how he explored and looked around that world, it was it was a real thrill to just like see that from the perspective of someone who's going through it for the first time again because i remember my face when all these things were happening and it was just it was so much fun uh and that was that was awesome so i just enjoyed watching him go through one of my favorite games it was good to watch um what's your winner bally uh, my winner, uh, it's coming to Switch next year, and I cannot wait to play it, uh, but I saw a bit of this game being played, and that's Hollow Knight. Uh, we talked about it already. That game is going to be great. I love a good Metroidvania. Uh, I, I I really listen to you a lot, MBZ, when it comes to Metroidvanias and what are the good ones, what are the bad mm-hmm. ones, and you really rate this one highly. Uh, yep. And I just think it looks really good. Like that, It looks really fluid to play, and I think being a fluid game to play is very important when it comes to metroidvania especially um, it is uh my one worry with you bally is this game is fucking hard and when i say fucking hard i mean like really hard let's Uh, let's give it a go i mean i managed to beat that steamroll dig 2 boss first time around you're right you're right so you know i've got i've got my chops when it comes to metroidvanias it's just um yeah you know people talk about the dark souls influence uh and this game definitely has that in quite a few ways uh and difficulty is one of them but it's also it's one of those difficulties where it's so achievable like it feels insurmountable but when you have learned those patterns and you've got the movement down and you feel like you're in the zone um yeah it's when you look back at what you did you're like holy shit how did i do that but in the moment when you're focused it's uh you can pull out some crazy stuff um 
so yeah i look forward to you playing that game it's it's amazing uh my number one my winner uh is yakuza zero which i played uh, i watched giant bomb east play through the whole of that game uh and that is the most tonal whiplash i think i've ever seen in a video game in the sense that it goes from this incredibly serious like really well written narrative about like uh kiryu and like his dealings with the yakuza and how he's been kicked out and like trying to get back in and like all these crazy things that are going on um like these backdoor deals and and all this stuff contrasted with like oh now you have a chicken who's your financial manager and you're running a hostess club and there are these stupid side quests with basically who is michael a guy who's basically michael jackson they call him something else but he's literally michael jackson and you help him shoot a music video and there's there's so much goofiness in this game it's crazy like how it goes from this one tone to the other with such like disregard for any <laughs> any of like the shifts that are taking place um but i really enjoyed watching through that game it's made me interested in the yakuza series in a way that i just wasn't before um and so i think i might pick up uh, kiwami which is the remake of the first game that just came out on ps4 and maybe go through that next year uh, so yeah definitely a game that i was interested in and made me interested in another series Very good. so uh, final uh, category before we go into our top five is our most anticipated 2018 game, uh, which is the Jeff Keighley Hype Award for the most hype. Um, so, so Bali, what's your runner-up for this category? So my runner-up would be number one, but we don't know if it's coming 2018 or not. Okay. And that's, of course, Metroid Prime 4. Uh, cheat, a bit of so, cheating going on here, but I'll, I'll so, let it slide. So we don't know if it's coming. I probably would put my money on it's not coming in 2018 but who knows no. uh, so obviously there's a lot of hype about this game uh, and there's a lot of hype about a game that we know very little about so yeah maybe take it with a pinch of salt but we'll see. i i think either way we're gonna see some stuff at e3 on this surely let's, oh yeah no 100 percent. we'll see, see stuff about prime 4 at e3 yeah no doubt in my mind yeah but, so um, i'm excited to see what it's like and like i really want to play prime 3 in 2018 i meant to play it all this year but this year just got way too busy with other stuff so yeah absolutely that's one i want to start early next year uh, my runner-up is Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest, one of my favorite games ever made. reason it's not the winner is because we just haven't seen enough of it yet. Like, we've just seen those short kind of cutscene uh, moments, uh, no gameplay so far, and I'm very curious in the direction they go and what new abilities we have and how expansive it is. I'm just... That team made a, an astonishingly good game, and I could not be more excited to have another one because uh, it's so good. So what is your winner, Bally, for this category? My winner is a Project Octopath Traveler. Uh, Maybe we, we should tag team this because it's also right. my winner. Let's do uh, it. Um, most anticipated. We both played the demo earlier this year and I I need my... When I play a long JRPG, I need it to be just right. I don't need I don't want it too difficult. I don't want it too complicated, but I don't want it, you know, too easy at the same time. Like I want a challenge and something intricate but i can understand and i just felt like this battle system i really got my head around it from the demo and on top of that the art style and the way that these stories are told i'm just really intrigued to see where this game goes and i think a big question we should ask is like how they're going to weave these eight paths together and yeah. how you jump between them because in the demo even that part was quite disjointed where you were a bit essentially in the same world but playing as two different characters and they didn't really seem to link it was a bit strange so i'm intrigued to see where they go with that idea yeah for sure i definitely want to know more about like 
how the overall game structure is laid out but from what we've played so far i'm just in love with everything about this game if i were to break the rules my winner for best soundtrack might be project octopath traveler you know because <laughs> it is exactly. that good all the all the stuff that we've heard so far um i'm i'm in love with that so uh yeah this game looks very special and like when it was revealed in january uh the start of this year i was like oh that seems cool like that's this cool like aesthetic they're going for but this game goes way beyond just that aesthetic value it's 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 a lot richer in a lot of ways that i didn't expect um so yeah very much looking forward to that game uh and so with that we have uh wrapped up all our categories some really cool interesting games this year uh, and uh, that we played so yeah good stuff uh it's time to dive into our top five um which means going through all the games we played and deciding whether they belong or not. Uh, do, do you and, remember uh, doing this last year, MZ, and the number of games we talked about? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, it wasn't a great list, uh, generally. As far it as was, it wasn't a very good list, and it was quite a short list. Yeah. This is now, like, a very good list and a very long list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want to just go down the list uh, and, and one by one say... Yeah, think? I think we should first of all say we've got 19 games here and quickly reel them off. And okay. I think we should do some some knockouts, take out a few. All right. Uh, do you want to read down the list of what we've got so sure. far? Sure. So we've got Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Metroid Samus Returns, Mario Rabbids, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment, Dragon Quest VIII, uh, Mighty Gunvolt Burst, Splatoon 2, Sonic Mania, Golf Story, Bye Bye Box Boy, Goro Goa, uh, Earth Atlantis, Yono and the Celestial Elephants, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, SteamWorld Dig 2, Snipperclips, and 1-2 Switch. Wow. it's a lot of games. Quite a lot of um, games. So let's just say that Zelda should be on the list, maybe. Let's just put that on the list. Yep, yep. Uh, let's say maybe Mario should be on the list. <laughs> yep, I think Probably. we can. Yep, yeah. Can, um, I'll, I'll turn them red Okay. for now. And then, yeah. For all the listeners who can hear you turning them red. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On our Google document that you can all see quite clearly. Uh, okay, let's start proposing some cuts then. Um, I think we should cut Bye Bye Box Boy. Um, you haven't played it. Uh, and it is the third Box Boy game. Uh, I like screen. it. Yeah, I like it a whole lot. Um, I think that Bye Bye Box Boy is a, a fitting end to the trilogy. I hope they put out a collection on Switch for people who miss these games because they are really fantastic. Um, I'm a big fan of the Box Boy series, saga, one might call it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's it's just not good enough for this year. <laughs> this yeah, year is too good. It's tough. I might get around to it at some point, but I did get a little burned on the last Box Boy. Yeah, but, yeah. There's just so much to play that I don't know if I'll get to it. But um... Yeah, I like that game a lot. A game I enjoyed this year, but I don't think it's anywhere near worthy of the top five, is uh, One Two Switch. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> even calling it a game, I think, is a little a little rich. The Nintendo um, Switch doesn't even acknowledge it's a game. It yes, doesn't even have an activity log exactly. for it. Exactly, it's bizarre. I don't understand what's going on. Um, I've got this game out a few times this year, especially to show off the Switch. Uh, sure, it's very good. I mean. <laughs> A couple of crowds I brought it up with, they were like, "Oh, I, I don't play games. I don't play games." It's like, it's not a game. This is just it's it's in it's just a Nintendo Switch, and like we're gonna do this thing, and like it's so it, it does feel less gamey even than something like Wii Sports, which I guess 
while it isn't an advantage in my book, it'll certainly appeal to some people a little more where they feel like it's a little bit easier to to get their head around perhaps. Um, and like Caroline got it for my birthday and I wouldn't recommend spending lots of money on this game. I don't think it's worth it in that sense. But in terms of a fun time and a fun party game, it does actually do its job pretty well. Uh, and the technology in the Switch with the um, <clears throat> HD rumble as well as the... Um, what am I trying to say? The gyro, the recognition, it like works really well. Cool. Yeah, it, this is one of those games which I'll probably pick up in like the year twenty twenty three when it's in a bargain bill for bin for five quid. Um, <laughs> probably the way it'll go. So, um, yeah, the picks to to boot off. Anyway. I think I'm going to cut Earth Atlantis. Um, it's a game that I played for a brief period of time that I enjoyed. I think it's a neat kind of take on the, the shooter um, and has a neat like Gunman Clive style aesthetic, but it's uh, yeah, it doesn't quite hang here. So say goodbye to that. Um, what could I take off? I think I will take off you know, I, I want to pass it back to you. There's some, I think there's some stuff that I've not played that I think should go before we we move on, if that, if that makes sense. Well, you can propose something that I've played that you think. I'll propose something. I would propose... Duh, duh, duh. I would propose Dragon Quest Eight. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, Dragon Quest Eight. I'm not sure if it even belongs here in the first place because it is a remake of a game. Right. <laughs> but we did include Dragon Quest Seven last year, and I can't remember why that was. Whether it was just because it was such a shit year that we needed to have something to to like pad it out. Um, but Dragon Quest Eight is a real probably my biggest gaming disappointment of 2017 honestly uh which is sad because dragon quest 8 is held as like in high regard as one of the best rpgs ever made i just really don't see what people are talking about i don't know it's um i'm sure it was amazing for its time but it just i don't think it's aged particularly well the story is the story is very simple it's very dragon questy and I, i i think the voice acting is actually pretty excellent across the board like that's one of the strengths of this game it feels like xenoblade chronicles because they have a very british voice cast um, and it's very well done, but it was very grindy towards the end. Um, it just it went places that I didn't find as thrilling as you know some other stuff in Dragon Quest I've done. Yeah, it was it was fine. It's a good I I view it as a good Dragon Quest game. I just don't think it is this um, this thing people hold it up as, which is so often the case with us in old games. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, although this one is more modern than some of the other ones we talk about. Um. I think I'm going to take off Yono and the Celestial Elephants. Um, it's a game that is a really cool little Zelda title. Um, it uh, it does what it does very well. It looks nice. Uh, I enjoy just plonking around as, as Darth Maul. That was cool. Like the I really like the costume stuff they do in this game and the fact that you have a Link costume and all these homages and stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think it uh, it quite hangs with the rest of these, unfortunately. Um, it's getting a little tougher now. It is, yeah. Just a little bit. There's a lot of very good games here, so this is. A, I mean, yeah, I'm cutting a very good game, but it's. I don't think it will make top five, and that's Snipper Clips. Um, okay, <clears throat> all right. I just won my most charm of the year, but uh, it's a very good game. Um, I think that the formula, like the fact that I'm not sort of dying to get the DLC already. Uh, and play more does say that the formula is good but not not quite as addictive as i might have thought initially 
Right, because um, you, I remember you being really positive on Snipper Clips. I, I yeah, and I still you... think it's the go-to game if you want to pass a Joy-Con to a fre- lo- friend locally and play a game together. I think this it's still much better than uh, anything else on Switch, really. Um, totally. And it, it just does that job so well. Uh, so can't recommend it highly enough, um, but maybe not worth top five games of 2017. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um Oh, I'm going to propose something bold, Bally. Help. I'm re- going to propose we kill Splatoon 2. Yeah, um, yeah I think we can uh, get rid of Splatoon 2. I think that Splatoon shines for all for how unique it is as a game and its, it's, its sequel is not unique compared to what the same the same impact that the first game had so i think to get yeah. on this list is very difficult even though it is a very very good game uh, and was my second most ga- played game of the year uh, and the game i really want to go back to so it does a lot of great stuff i think there are imp- loads of improvements to the game um maybe not enough improvements to get top of the list but even if this game had loads of improvements it still might not um make the top five i don't know it's it's it's, splatoon's in a difficult position on where to go next and how to uh reinvent the formula i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think splatoon can go it definitely i think the single player pissed me off enough to where i just feel good about it going honestly (laughs) like i just really dislike that single player uh didn't gel with me whatsoever um, Shall we do a quick run through of what what's still here? Yeah, so Zelda, Mario are are locks in the top five, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then up for debate are Metroid: Samus Returns, Mario Plus Rabbits, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shovel Knight: Spectre of Torment, Mighty Gunvolt Burst, Sonic Mania, Golf Story, Goro Goa, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, and Steam World Dig Two. It's your choice, Bally. It's my choice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel bad because I've not played this game and I want your your input, but I'd say Mighty, Mighty Gunvolt Burst. Yeah, it, it's really good though. Like I, it was actually, if I had a third game for biggest surprise of 2017, I think it probably would have been this game um, because I did not expect for this random kind it's of just like... a little game that you picked up because you'd... Because I didn't have anything Switch else to play, start, right? right? Like, I'd finished Zelda and I was like, oh, I need something. So I uh, I picked up Mighty Gunvolt Burst and it's actually a very solid Mega Man game. Um, like, it doesn't have the same things that make Mega Man memorable. I can hardly remember most of it, honestly, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I think just the levels felt really good to go through. It actually um, is presented as a 4 by 3 screen. So, like, the sides of the screen have, like, your health and stuff and your items and things um which make it feel all the more like it is classically designed as um you know an original kind of nes Mega Man, uh and yeah some great just like going through screens and taking down enemies and figuring out that weird weapon system where you're like merging things together i um i really enjoyed it i think it's just a a cool game but yeah again it's hard for it to fit in this year uh, with all the great games out there I think it's your pick. Uh, this is hard. Um, hmm. There's quite a few games here that you've played that I've not played. Yeah. You're going to have to cut some of them, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to mm, get difficult. I don't know. Uh, I think we should kill SteamWorld Dig 2. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but... 
Yeah, I as think as much as I like I that game, I I, lo- I love that game. Yeah, but I, I agree. I don't think it's going to make top five. I think the claims that it is game of the year contender that lots of people have made are a little overblown. I think it's a very very good game. But, yeah, uh, in any other year, I think it actually might have a shot. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I th- and I think it's a vast improvement on the first game, which is what I was really hoping for. So, like it. I had high expectations, and by and large, it met those expectations. Um, but it had to do even more than that to get in the top five this year. Uh, totally. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but very good game. Like, really keen to see what Image and Form do next. Yeah. Excited. What I would cut next. And I'm doing this partly because I've played this game, so I don't want to, like, reach into your territory necessarily at this point. Uh, I don't think Goro Goa makes top five. Mm. I know you feel, I know you love it and I I love it a lot too but I I or you feel free to volunteer something else to get the I'm cut. not prepared to let go of go of it yet. Okay. Um, not it doesn't have to be yet. I'll pass I, the baton back. I find to it you hard then. to express how much that game blew me away. It absolutely just came out of nowhere and was it hit it, it hit my sweet spot for puzzle solving in mm. a way that was both satisfying, made me feel smart and was pretty frictionless. Like, I solved those puzzles in a good, steady pace. I went through that game in one sitting. I thought it had an amazing progression. It told a story in a way that was really strange and in a way that I don't fully understand what was even going on, but I think I appreciated, like, the artistry of it and and the things it was trying to say. But uh, it is, uh, yeah, it's one of, it's an it's amazing game. Um, I'll, I'll pass it on to Sonic Mania then. Mm, yeah i really love sonic mania it's god it's hard it's it's an excellent game but uh i do think that you can levy some problems at that game like the the whole live system is something i actually had to cheat my way around um but like there's so many endless surprises in sonic mania it's just such a thrill ride from start to finish and i think maybe it impacted me more because i don't really know all the levels from old sonic games so everything was new to me right like so for old sonic players you're getting that nostalgia hit and then there are the new levels but for me most of it was like 90 percent of it was new um and you can really tell that they went back to those levels made some adjustments and also added some crazy new stuff in there that just made it so much more varied and and interesting to go through and i yeah I, I had a thrill playing through sonic mania but understandably there's a lot of good games it's here one, so that's why i'd like to try at some point sonic yeah mania. you really should it's it's excellent yeah. it's really excellent i think it's back with you mz oh great <laughs> i'm gonna say shovel knight specter of torment um it's tough but i mean this is i think this is a fair enough phase where it could go yeah um it'd probably make my personal top five probably yeah i don't know it's it's really good like the the one knock against it i have is it's shovel knight again for the second or third time i guess um like that's the the thing is like yes they do a great job of reviving those levels and re like creating something new and different but it's fundamentally kind of still the same game. Yeah, um, but it's a bit like Splatoon 2. It's like it, yeah. the original was the most impactful. Exactly, and follow-ups yeah. have been great, but not as impactful. Right, you just don't get that same yeah. um, like momentum 
from the original and I, you know talking of spectre of torment i think we should give it its place because it did like i really like the story it told honestly like i think it had a great thing it did with like the flashback scenes and and the way it handled that and it uh yeah and i, I do I, love that that they've really gone for it with this those shovel knight games of um these are the characters and we're going to inter inter uh twine them with the original plot and like it's all going to link and I, I do like that and i'm i'm excited to see what sort of the king knight uh uh, pack does in terms of story and other stuff like that like it's it's it's, it's for a sure. cool world they've created yeah for sure is it me yeah the tension I, rises I, I feel bad like attacking games i've not played so well i mean I you mean, have to because most of these are ones that i've played so there's true. not really a choice so uh, <sighs> I think we probably need to have the Mario plus Rabbids versus Fire Emblem Echoes talk, I think. Because uh, I think one soon. of them lives and one of them dies. Well, I think that's um, a bit soon. I think it's... Okay, a, all right. I think we need to cut either Goro Goa or Xenoblade at this point. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I feel more strongly about both of those games than either Rabbids or Fire Emblem. Okay, okay. Wrong discussion then. Let's go back to Mario Rabbids and Fire Emblem. Yeah. Um... Mariplus Rabbids is a is a game I want to reward because of its boldness and its weirdness. Um, Although Fire Emblem is quite a bold and weird Fire Emblem, it, it, isn't yes, it? But yeah, it is, it is, and like ugh, Fire Emblem Echo, so not here's the as point. bold and weird as Mario Rabbids, though, no, definitely. But. Like Fire Emblem is a remake, right? So it can only yeah. be so, and ninety percent of its boldness and weirdness is because that original game was bold and weird. So. Th- that is a thing that you can levy against it to some degree but i really it it felt so refreshing after awakening and three fates games to just go back to this old school like really like completely different style of fire emblem game um that wasn't concerned with the marriage and kids stuff that was all about changing things and making things feel different and i think the voice acting and the storytelling is the strongest it's ever been in a fire emblem game in echoes um and that's something I'm really excited about for next year with Switch is like they're going to have like Fire Emblem is now a series that gets the AAA treatment, you know, like they really do lean into it. Wars? It's yeah, but I, I don't know. There's something about Advanced Wars and storytelling that doesn't really work in my mind. I mean, they actually have to do one that has a good story before. Exactly. Or even a semi-good story, which <laughs> right. they haven't done yet. So, exactly. I mean, that's the next step, I think, but we'll see. Um, yeah, uh, Echoes is a great game. It's... I think that there are issues with it as well, but like it also kind of corrects those issues within its own design. Like there is a map in that game where there is a canter, and canters are these enemies that endlessly spawn more enemies, basically. And in the reviews, it divided people. A lot of people fucking hated them. Um, I thought that they were an interesting challenge that presented something that was different from what Fire Emblem had done before. Um, But there is one canter that spawns four like necro dragons like these giant fucking dragons every turn will spawn four of them and this map is fucking hell like it is lava and you go through the lava you take damage and there's these tiny like little spots you can go to and there are arches on the fort and like it is just insanity and if this had been any other fire emblem game without the mechanics of mila's turn wheel which allows you to rewind time and redo a turn i think i would have maybe rage quit the game because it was so so difficult but because i had the ability to rewind time and just redo stuff that i slightly fucked up on 
it allowed me to get through that in one go instead of having to like do it again and again um and i think that's a great innovation for the series and despite the fact that it's just this one story thing that is tied into echoes i really think they should maybe bring it forward into other games because it just works like it it saves a lot of that bullshit time wasting when you make that one mistake on a fire emblem map and redo the entire map it lets you reassess the situation and just not die for one single stupid mistake um and that's smart like that's a way to refine the fire emblem formula and make it so that people like me aren't spending countless hours doing the same map again and again Mm. it's great on the other hand mario plus rabbids like moving around that map feels amazing like there are these moments where you will be two rabbit characters one which can run through a bunch of enemies one which can jump on an enemy to hurt them and so you're chaining together like three different enemies in one using the vampire dash with rabid luigi to get your health back and then using mario to jump off of him to jump onto another one hitting them from behind there's just and because you can do everything out of sequence like you can do it in any order you want you can like shoot then move or move then shoot and then jump or then run through like everything is so free-flowing and allows you that level of doing whatever you want that i really enjoyed it so it's really difficult to like choose between these two i have no idea what to do <laughs> tell me Bally, which is the game you're most interested in playing from what you've seen of both um definitely mario plus rabbits i think in terms of firing them i've got my own sort of backlog that i'm dealing with and firing the mechos doesn't really have a part to play in that backlog necessarily because i'd rather sure. just beat that backlog and then maybe get involved in the switch version next year yeah um, yeah so in that sense mario and rabbits is just more interesting uh more up my alley i think uh so yeah i i would back um cutting echoes at this stage uh yeah but i mean we got eight games and we've i know three and it's <laughs> i know so this <laughs> Let's cut one of them for now, though. Which so, and I'll let you let's, pick. Let's it sounds like you want to cut Fire Emblem more. Let's cut Echoes. Yeah. Let's cut Echoes. Okay, right. So, I feel like there are four games that are going to be on this list, and there are three games that are on the periphery. Because I feel like Golf Story is going to be on this list. Yes, I'm. I'm glad you said it. Um, I also feel that for Metroid, which I think you're feeling as well. Yes okay right good right so <laughs> um shall we put one into red for or two into red for now and then have that big three-way debate or? yes yeah, yeah yeah i think that's probably the best idea right are we making metroid and golf story red yeah let's do that okay let's do that see now, cause Gol- golf story is one of those games that is not going to be on my personal top 10 list um Really? But, dude, there are way too many fucking games. Have you played Danganronpa V3? That game is mind-blowing. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of I shit. I am intrigued by your, uh, your top ten. When that yeah, out, yeah. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those games that I know you're going to fight tooth and nail for. Oh, you so know I it. Figure, so I figure we it. might as well just have it on the list to begin you with, and then we'll it. figure out where it goes. Um so between Gorogoa, Mario Plus Rabbids, and Xenoblade 2, and you've only played one of these games. I've only played one of these games, yeah. but the amount you've talked praise for the game, I actually think 
not to put words in your mouth, but I think you would back Gora Goa into this five, top five above the other two. I don't know. I think it's between that and Xenoblade for me. Um, yeah. Shall we just in the meantime cut rabbits then? Oh, God, that was so pointless. Wasn't having that echoes of anything? Just, just cut rabbits. I feel so bad for it because I do like rabbits a lot, but even rabbits isn't in my personal top 10. So, like, how stupid is this year that that game that's so cool and bold and weird isn't? Um, yeah, let's cut rabbits, I guess. Fuck. Fuck. Why? <laughs> Why do we have to have a top five, fuck's sake? <laughs> Sucks. I hate this. Then there um, were two. And then there were two. So at the moment, we've got Zelda, Mario, Metroid, Golf Story in the top four. Mm-hmm. Or top five, whatever we want to say later. Yeah. Uh, and we've got one more space in that top five. Yeah. For either Gorogoa or Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I like Gorogoa a lot, but I don't feel overly strongly if you want to put Xenoblade above it. So I'm afraid a lot of this is up to you, NPC. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a very flawed game. Like, stupidly flawed. But it's also the game that I couldn't put down the most this year. It was just relentless. Like, there's a hook in that game that got me like nothing else this, this reminds me of the discussion we had i want to say last year or two it's years two, ago it's two years ago with it was x. box boy versus xenoblade chronicles x yes you're right it's exactly think, the same box situation boy did it. box boy did it yeah um this game is better than xenoblade chronicles x for sure in my mind um it does definitely definitely sound like you have that view yeah um and i do think that the storytelling is weaker in this game, I don't think the characters are as strong. I don't think I connected with them as much. Um, it's It doesn't... It starts to get interesting, and then it doesn't super pull that off. And I think a lot of the reason why I'm coming out of it a lot more positive is because that ending is such a crowd-pleaser for someone like me. Um, like, it really fucking nails it for me. Uh, but leading up to that, I will admit that I wasn't super into it um um but gorgo is just like this perfect storm of like this perfect pace perfect length so different and innovative and new um and like what how as we had an email last segment saying like how do you compare doki doki literature club and fast rmx how do you compare Gorogoa and xenoblade chronicles 2 <laughs> like this is a stupid <laughs> debate to be having um yes. yes i think ultimately i'm going to say Gorogoa gets on this list um oh, wow. mainly because you've also played it yeah and i feel like it's It'd be more fair to the spirit of the yeah what we're um, going for perhaps and yeah, the Xenoblade Chronicles two could could have been so much more amazing if its story and characters were a bit more interesting to me. But they weren't, unfortunately. Um, so there you go. So, so we have a top, top five. five. We yeah. just need to order it. So at yes. the moment we've got Zelda, Mario, Metroid, Golf Story, and Gorogoa. Yeah, that seems. Shall seems we agree the number good. five first? Yeah. I think I know what it's going to be because <laughs> it's the last one to get in. I think Gorogoa should be number five. Probably. I think that Gorogoa should also be number number five. Okay. I, th- 
I think Golf Story should be number four. <laughs> I know this is where it's going to come to a head. So, we're, so number four is between Golf Story and Metroid, are we agreed? Oh, between Golf Story and Mario? <laughs> are we, oh, we're going to get... I don't know. I don't know. I have okay, very well, complicated we feelings. We need to have a think. My personal number four... Would be Metroid. Hmm. There's a lo- there's a lot of issues with Metroid uh, Times Returns. Yeah, like my hand dying. <laughs> yes, you're right. Pod. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but um, at the same time, it's like the longest to the Metroid. Um, that that could be argued as a bad point. That as could well. be argued as a bad. I think that <laughs> does slightly go beyond the Metroidvania sweet spot, as we were discussing. A little before. bit, yeah. Um, it does a lot of great stuff, though. It just felt so much better than I thought it was going. to. Yeah, it just feels really good, especially when you're like getting all those power ups and just running through areas and just screw attacking and like I think even better than anything else like it gives you the tools to 100% that game without you having to look on the internet like I really like the um the power that lets you just see places yeah um, it's it's very good you're right I, I hardly had to go to any sort of guide or anything really it was really intuitive and having that map system on the bottom screen just the whole time like that's the thing yeah. that I've been wanting to have in a Metro game forever. Yeah, for like it should have been on DS and then yeah, like original DS and then could have done it. But dread died for our sins. Um, it, assuming we say we love Metroid, is there any conversation at all that Mario should be as low as four? No, Honestly, I don't think no. so either. Because <laughs> I, I think Mario is an amazing game. It is an amazing um, game. And I'm enjoying it more and more the more that I'm getting those little the sort of second half of the, the yeah. moons in that game. Like it's yeah. just growing on me more and more. Just going back to those um, kingdoms and I think Mario and Metroid are very similar and both feel very good to control. Like running yeah. around in both those games just feels fantastic. Very good. I agree. Um, I think Mario like just has it in terms like I'm not sure there is a game that has felt more perfect and fluid in 3D than Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah. I think it might be like the greatest feeling 3D movement platformer ever made. Yeah. But there are also like a lot of moons in that game that are kind of fluff and I don't know if I want to criticize that or not because the movement is so fun that I didn't actually care. So <laughs> like I think a lot yeah. of people like levy that concern at it and I'm like, well yeah, but also I don't know, I like running around this place. What's an, what's an example of a, a of a fluffy moon or like a type of moon that repeats itself through kingdoms that you're like, ugh, not this again sort of thing was there? Uh, the Goombas, like every time you saw the Goombas, like, oh, I know what I need to do, I just need to do it. Um, Goom- stack the Goombas, see the, the, Goombas, uh, the, the female Goomba. Yeah, there's the races, which I actually like the races, but they see, do... See, both those... Yeah, the races I absolutely love. I I, yeah. I originally thought it'd feel a bit like a chore, like oh, I have to do a race every kingdom. I know, but yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Even failing it a few times and redoing it, and like that that loop is really addictive. Like I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I I I actually do enjoy uh, the puzzle of like finding the goombas and stacking them and seeing the female goomba, whatever. I I, I quite like that, but. Yeah, I, th- I just felt that there are a lot of repeated concepts and ideas for moons across worlds. Yeah. Um, 
to like you always I agree, like, find good. seeds to plant in a pot and you yeah have to they're not do good that. I, they're the worst i don't like that's a very collectathon sort of yeah trips across the entire world and find the seed and then return it all the way to this thing i was generally pretty lucky with those because i was doing a lot of this like grand sweep anyway myself that i did come across them naturally like i don't think i ever right. had to look up where one was um thing that i did have to look up were fucking purple coins uh which we can maybe levy as a problem with that game i think the one of my biggest problems with odyssey is the fact that there's no way to find out how many purple or where the purple coins are that you're to, missing to its credit though i like that you can get all the moons in the game and ignore purple coins i like that it's, you, you don't yes. you're not given a moon for collecting the purple coins because no. that would that would make my collectathon head in my mind just go insane because i'd be like yeah. oh, i've got to get whereas i actually am at peace with the idea of not getting the purple coins knowing that i can get every moon in the game see i'm I'm not at peace with that because then my odyssey won't look perfect like i have to have the odyssey have every sticker on it and everything inside it like that's the that's the problem as soon as you start buying those things it looks weird if the odyssey doesn't have everything in it oh so that's where my I'm, ocd kicks yeah, in it's like I've your got to have is those. beating me on that one i'm afraid because I'm, yeah. I'm just like right i'm I think I'm, I've decided I'm going to try and get all the stickers but ignore the stuff on the inside. So I'm, yeah. I'm like, right, let's... I don't know. I think we're both in agreement that like Mario is higher than the space we're talking about right now. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So probably. I think we're back to Metroid and Golf Story. How do you feel about Golf Story? Golf Strong, Story Strongly, is, I imagine. <laughs> oh, it, it was just... Like this I is said, your this is your box boy for this year. It is a bit. I was an absolute <laughs> box boy enthusiast that year. Um, Golf Story was just longer and more enjoyable than I ever would have given it credit for. And I think I I had very little frustration with any of the golfing stuff. I think I am um, I have had experience and I'm quite good at that style of like mechanic mechanics based. Um, spingometer golfing essentially and i thought that part was quite satisfying and and well done and the hd rumble like when the ball goes in the hole and stuff like that that i just was not expecting at all i was like that is really cool i love that about this game um and the world you're you're going through is actually quite large and there's a lot of people to see and, and stuff to do and you can always return back to like driving ranges and stuff like that and just practice little things and you have the ability to just put down a ball anywhere and hit it at anything like in a, in, a, in like the idea of doing that in an open world is really cool like i thought that was a really like yeah you can just do this you can just put, put a ball down and hit yeah it that thing I, it's I, smart like, yeah so it's got a lot of innovative new stuff going for it but it does the old stuff really well at the same time um and it is a lot of golf though it's a lot of golf i definitely did enjoy this a lot more than uh metroid samus returns um so Hmm. like so i i actually thought parts of metroid samus returns were just too brutally hard and i didn't mind necessarily the fact that parts were very hard it was the fact that a lot of the parts that were hard were very long and very tiring on my hand and it was a combination it was it wasn't the fact that necessarily um some of the boss fights were hard it's the fact that my hand was getting tired completing them which is never a nice feeling um it's not uh, but it's also the first 2D Metroid game in 13 years. 
It is, <laughs> so... but and as good as it is, I think we're in a, in broad agreement on where that series can be better and more, yes, and yes. more and more slick and like totally. when eventually a two D Metro comes to Switch, which it will. We know exactly what we we want from it, and yeah. I hope we get that. But we'll see. So I think I feel like so maybe like third or fourth is appropriate for Metroid. Bearing in mind that a future two D Metroid could be even higher on the Game of the Year list. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I have a litany of problems with Samus Returns. Like it's it's too long. It, but I loved playing it for that long. Like that's the problem it's like i want more yeah, 2D metroid true. so like i did enjoy it um the the gamma metroid fights were a problem there are too many of them and they shouldn't have done the thing where you run after them again to no, kill them again horrible. i agree um, yeah but also like that's a design problem with the original game and they are making a remake and as unfaithful as it is in some areas they were pretty faithful to the metroid stuff yeah so I guess that's just. Let me talk about the flaws of Golf Story because there's too much golf in Golf Story, uh, especially towards the I end. Was, I was going to say, other than the greens yeah. having poor representation in terms of the slopes, I think it's a fairly. I, th- I think it's a lot opinion related. If you think the Golf Story has too much yeah. golf, but well, look, this entire list is opinion related. So of course, of that's course, what but this I think... is going to be. <coughs> We can agree the slope thing in Golf Story is a weak point. And I think oh, a lot it's of really bad. It's that. it's definitely like, especially when I was seeing people like Patrick Klepper getting very frustrated with the end of Golf Story. Like I felt his pain because it does not give you a good indication, and especially when you're trying to save the the most points possible at that very last area, it's just it can be pulling teeth at times. Or it's like, oh fuck! Like it was just that one tiny bit off. Yeah. If I had a better indication, it would have meant that I was able to do it, but didn't quite land um and uh, i yeah so so the end of golf story to me was it was poorly paced because by the end you have to collect like all the stamps and have done all the courses and i had like three or four i had to do in a row you know um, and i wish that that had yeah. been better paced out throughout the game um I, th- I i actually liked the fact that at no point you ever played 18 holes it was all about nine hole rounds like i think i mean that that was was a a great decision on their part a very good decision so so when so when you're saying like oh i had to play multiple rounds like i i had to do that at points too and i i actually enjoyed that like i didn't find it much of like a chore or anything just because those rounds are so fast yeah um and by and large i was doing it first time but that is another flaw in golf story that i forgot to mention is um being able to like restart a mini mission or like a side quest like oh it's, yeah it's yeah very, that's really annoying you have to essentially just get to the end of it and then retry which is a bit of a chore so yeah i don't know i i i would vote golf story should be three in metroid four and mainly because i think that metroid can go a whole lot further in the future uh but i did very much enjoy it four is still incredibly good for like this year uh but if you really want to push for Metroid at three and Golf Street at four, we could have that discussion. I don't know. Uh, it's it's just like it's hard because you really resonated with Golf Story and Metroid Two D Metroid is one of my favorite styles of game. 
And so it's basically just me versus you, essentially, in terms of our preferences, what's going on here. Yeah, they are so, very close to like mirror images of each other where we've, we've yeah. both played these games. We both love these games. We both yeah. see flaws in these games. Exactly. Like, and this is the hard a, thing. is like both of these are amazing games that I really loved playing. Um, yeah. And you've got to tear them down somehow to like figure out a way. And uh, as much as I love Metroid, number one, it's a remake. Um, and number two, there are a lot of flaws that I still see in it that still frustrate me and make me think that they could do a much better job in a newer game and refine it. And it's also you... You're also throwing the argument that I used for Wind Waker on our top 50 games list right back at me when I said... Like where it can do more. There's going to be what a if Breath of the one. Wild will do yeah. Wind Waker better. And guess yeah. what? Breath of the Wild did Wind Waker fucking better. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yes, I, that resonates with me, I think. And Gold Story honestly has one of my favorite sequences of the year. Like the whole murder mystery thing the in the mansion, mystery. I fucking loved. I it's thought that so was zany. so so brilliant, like so funny. Um, just a wonderful like point and click adventure style part. And it's of completely that game. away from the golf aspect. Yeah, as there's well. like no it's golf. You're running around and crazy. doing, talking to people and finding things out. It's 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 not only funny. It's well like written and paced and just smart. Um, so I think I'm going to give in to you, Bali. I'm going to let Gold Story be at number three. All right, MZ. much as it much as it hurts me, much as it hurts me, and Metroid. Well done. I thought we had a good discussion on that. that yeah, totally. They're, look, they're both awesome games. Absolutely, they really are. Yeah. I think we might be in more agreement from this here on out. Well, yeah. I mean, one of these games is like a fantastic Mario game. The other one is a g- genre-defining, decade-defining masterpiece. Right. Um, Mario so... is <laughs> is fantastic, if not the best 3D platformer of all time. I think that it's going to take me a while to think about whether I prefer it or not to something like Mario Galaxy 2. I think I'm still yeah. in that indecisive mode either way it's not completely redefining the genre as you said and i think no. zelda is quite clearly doing that and the number of people i speak to like um like my friend alex he's like i sort of said yeah zelda it's getting a lot of games of the year like awards and he's like yeah i i see that and i'm like you really need to, as i say like you really need to get a switch and try it out and he's like i know but is it that like is it that much better than like I feel like I've done that style of game before with like Skyrim and stuff. And I'm like, right, I'm the wrong person to speak to about this because I've not played as many open world games as many people. But I say, look at all the people who like have played way more open world games than me, like yourself, MBZ. And even Mm -hmm. you rate this up there above games like, you know, your Skyrim. It's not that you've played Skyrim, but I mean, Witcher Witcher 3s and stuff that are really good open world games. But Zelda's got its own unique thing that it does better and like i just feel like zelda just changes the genre to where it's almost a completely different genre you know like i and as much as we make fun of nintendo for their facile own inventions the whole open air concept is actually something that kind of rings true in this case because i think the witcher 3 is the pinnacle of open world classic open world design like the witcher 3 is an astonishingly well-made game it has one of probably my favorite narratives in video games. It is so well paced and written and all that stuff, but it doesn't have the 
creative freedom that zelda does um and that's the difference is like zelda is an open world game but it's also a physics puzzle box it's this weird like mishmash of these two genres that create something wholly new and creative and crazy and you're enjoying those physics style puzzles both in the open world and inside shrines it's right like, it's like there not are puzzles the designed around it but also like you can create your own scenarios within that space yeah. um and like the the bokoblin encampments where you ha- you have a million ways of and a million yeah. different types of weapons and the ways you can use those weapons like to, breath of the wild is a game built for custom-made challenges it's like right. okay let's do a challenge between you and me bali let's take on this piccolo camp you're only allowed to use x weapon or you're only allowed to use the runes to take down this camp see if you can do it you know it's like that that game that's built for creativity in the play style Um, it's it's incredible and um as we said earlier in this episode uh, when we talk about the dlc it's that that loop of exploration discovering shrines going to towns, meeting people, doing side quests, doing those shrines, and then discovering more land later on is just a fantastic gaming loop that I I don't think there's a better loop in any game I've ever played. Like, it's just yeah. so enjoyable. Um, it's also a game where you can just get lost. You know, like, there was there was right. a couple of hours when I first started playing the game where I took my horse and I just rode. And I just rode for miles and miles and miles and i had no idea where i was because i hadn't opened up any of the towers at that point maybe one or two towers Mm. but i was just in this blank landscape i had no direction nothing around me and i was just galloping and i went from fields to different areas of rock and eventually climbed up this really high path and i suddenly found myself at the entrance to death mountain or one of the entrances i'm like holy shit like how did i get here it just mm. came out of nowhere and then like i tried walking in and all of a sudden my my horse was set on fire and i started burning and it was just crazy and i was like oh my god like i was not prepared for this whatsoever but i just went off on this adventure to nowhere like with no goal in mind just exploring and admiring the landscape and it was so incredible like and no other game no open world game has that same sense of just exploration yeah. to it and when we both started the game and even though you were quite a lot of hours ahead of me um i still managed to do something completely different to anything you'd seen or done so far because obviously i yeah. started with like the zor dungeon and i said oh i met this guy and, he, and you're like stop bally stop you're spoiling like i'm like oh yeah okay yeah no of course you've not seen any of this i'll i'll play on <laughs> and then we kind of yeah. like it's a hard game to talk about because like you never know where anyone is but then there's also like these tales that you can have for each other where like oh i did this crazy thing did you see this thing yeah um yeah it's a as they call it the water cooler conversation game um i think this defines it more than anything um yeah and i mean we're gonna have many discussions about where zelda goes next on this podcast but I yeah think... and, and ultimately breath of the wild is a game that can be improved dramatically which yes. is the most astonishing yes. thing about it is like in one aspect it's one of the best games ever made but also boy there are a lot of things they could improve and make this even better than it currently is um right so yeah i think it's like uh, when we're doing this list i'm like well it's, we're not really gonna have to debate the number one spot because i think no, it's just i think a we knew this for quite some time yeah um, i think we were 
before Mario Odyssey came out and when we were like first playing Mario Odyssey, it was like this is this is legitimately probably the only contender and it's got it's got to do a lot of stuff to even come close to Zelda and I think once we'd beaten the main game of Mario we were pretty we hadn't didn't have this discussion but I think uh, without talking about it I think we were both fairly sure that it's a very very it's a very good Mario game but look in any other year Mario Odyssey Zelda. runs away with game exactly. of the year for most places um it's, it just so happens that not only is 2017 one of the best years in games, but it also is the year in which a genre-defining game was released uh, that will be talked about for decades and decades. Like, this is an ocarina of time. This is a link to the past. This is this is a landmark title uh, that is just is incredible. And I'm just very, very excited and happy that I got to play it, like, in its context when it came out, like... Because you know there are kids today who are growing up playing Breath of the Wild as their first Zelda. And I cannot imagine... they're going to be so disappointed when they go back to those old Zeldas. Well, uh, I don't know. Because I I, I do feel like going back to old Zeldas, we found a lot of joy in doing that. um, We did. But, I mean, so my former uh, number one Zelda, Zelda Wind Waker, uh, we went back to that and we did a bit of a Let's Play. And I think we both just said at the time, like, wow it just feels because i think we started let's play before breath of the wall came out yes, and yeah. <laughs> we're sort of in the middle of the let's play still but uh after breath of the wild had come out and we were like this is hard to like go back to even though this is a very good looking streamlined hd remake it's like there is still a, a huge gulf between ev- almost everything mechanically about this game and breath of the wild yeah, I think the biggest compliment I give Breath of the Wild is that it feels good to control Link. And I think that's been a theme of like, hey, Samus feels good, Mario feels good. This is the best Link has ever fi- felt running yeah. around. Because like, as as great and as well-designed as Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess are, I never felt that like moving Link was something that I enjoyed doing. Like It was just a means to an end, to, to go and do the puzzles and go and through the dungeons. There's a lot of awkward moments where you get stuck on something or where you're like, okay, climb that, no, don't come down off the vine, go up the vine. You know, like there are all those moments of like mini frustrations in moving Link around an area. And in this game, it just feels so perfect. It's just, this is how Link should move. And I think they tie that into the system of him being able to climb everything. Like he has to feel like everything is tactile and able to be surmounted. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's great and that having a jump that's another thing just adds to it you know just makes it feel that much even though they, you can't run and jump you have to unless you do a claw grip i mean yeah annoying, but, but like when do you ever do that anyway in this game yeah, not, i mean yeah it's it not a big useful. thing it's a nitpick in what yes. is ultimately just um it's our number one game of all time according to, our, <laughs> according to that our, list our yeah list from episode 100 which i yeah. recommend checking out totally. um but what a year yeah, and I guess we did talk a bit about Mario, um, but uh, I think that first 11 hours of playing Mario is maybe the best like single-player run through a Mario game I've had. Um, because it's, it's constantly so fresh and innovative, yeah. just piled at you all the time just yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna capture this thing and now there's all these little puzzles and this little mini game sort of thing that i'm gonna do with that capture mechanic and then 
oh i'm like not even sick of that capture mechanic but before you're even done with it you're on to the next one and on to the next one it just keeps going and these these glorious kingdoms that just look incredible some incredible boss fights which we talked about loads on the show before uh and a really unique ending i think it's fair to say uh, yeah totally which is awesome like such a good such a good um you're right that that 10 12 hours of that first run through of mario odyssey is really special yeah it's uh it's the best the game gets um and um i loved going through and getting those moons but yeah it's uh it hits its peak for sure um and shall we go through our top five all right run them down bally so number five is Gorogoa. Number four is Metroid Samus Returns. Number three is Golf Story. Number two is Mario Odyssey. And number one is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. As it should be. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That's our list. Um, and then the hate mail floods in. Absolutely. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a fair... It's not... I think there's some unusual picks on our list compared to a lot of yeah, lists out there. But definitely. I think um generally i think we've we've justified it well i think that if i think hardcore listeners of the show have listened to all the episodes where we talked about all these games will probably think that we've been quite reasonable so yeah um we'll see it's it's been a freaking fantastic year and like i've played so many games on other platforms um that have been incredible as i mentioned danganronpa v3 is one of the most mind-boggling endings to a game i've ever experienced yeah we like, we should say this episode's going out on christmas day but you're yes. you're planning your own uh top 10 games of the year cross-platform mbz which will be right. coming shortly we're not going to date it just now but yes it uh, should be out either in january or at the end of this year but um so you know yeah, make like, sure to check that out I loved so many games from this year, like stuff that may never come out on Nintendo console, like Cuphead, which we br- briefly mentioned. And, you know, Persona 5 came out this year, for fuck's sake. Like, it's it's just an abundance of riches, which I have not seen uh, like this in, in a long time. Um, so, yeah. Um, thanks uh, for listening, guys. That's basically going to wrap us up for this episode. <laughs> we have a few things to say uh, before we close out uh, the year and uh, and the show. Um, first things first, want to thank uh, our Patreon backers who support us um, and uh, you know contribute to the show on a monthly basis. Um, thank you so much to everyone who does that, and in particular to a couple of our ambassadors. Yes, Mali. our TNL ambassadors, of course. Uh, they are... My girlfriend Caroline, we, we thank her for her support. Uh, and of course, Atari Alex, uh, who is also another TNL ambassador. So yeah, if you want to become a TNL ambassador, that is our $10 tier uh, for those interested. Yeah, thank you very much uh, to everyone. And uh, you can go and find that at patreon.com slash this Nintendo life. Uh, you can find us in other places as well on the internet. Uh, like the twitters uh you can go to at tnl podcast to follow us there uh you find me at lord nbz where can they find you bally i'm at ballyman91 on twitter that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 uh and um, yeah as you said nbz like check out the twitter account for the podcast that's the best place to go where you'll get links to everything that we've just talked about including our, our youtube discord channel server, our discord YouTube yeah channel. everything it's all there um so next time uh, on the show we're going to have our predictions uh for 2018 and we're also going to revisit our old predictions which that will be fun oh, that's always uh, hilarious and and so uh you can email those to an email address which is bally this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life 
at gmail.com. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, and do not forget that we are also running a backlog club, uh, which is when we go back and play a game together. And the game uh, for this next one is Final Fantasy VI, which you can play on the Super Nintendo Classic, GBA, a bunch of different ways. And we're planning to do that, as we said, start of February, end of January. So, uh, yes, if you have... Uh, clear plate now having played all the game of the year contenders now you can go and uh, get dug into some final fantasy 6 uh, we'll want to hear from you on that as well send some emails go to our discord there's a, a chat set up for that as well um and uh, yeah if you want to find us we're in various places we're on itunes we're on stitcher we're on any podcatcher you can find i keep saying catcher instead of podcatcher just rolls off the tongue um and you can uh, review us there and if you would love to give us a present for the holidays send us a review on iTunes. Um, we really do appreciate those. It's been a little while since someone has left us a review, but uh, every time we get one, it warms our heart. We'll read it out on the show. It'd be a we'll nice end to the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's more people find the show. It's really, it's really one of the best ways to help us. Uh, so that is highly appreciated. Um, yeah, Bali, it's been a good year. It's been a it's good been year for the podcast. Year. Quite a year. Um, I... I, I... My expectations need to be lowered for 2018. I don't, I don't think they're yeah, going to match so. 2017. But, you know, there's a lot of great stuff coming out, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty that we don't even know about yet that we're going to be playing next year. So bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so with that, uh, we are going to close things out, and we'll see you next time on another episode of This Nintendo Life. Thanks, folks. Have a good col- holiday. Merry Christmas, and uh, have a good New Year. Goodbye. Goodbye.